And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes. Hello and welcome to The Great Movies Podcast, a show where we discuss Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I'm Dylan Quare. I'm Jana Gardner. And I'm Nick Fulton. And today we're discussing uh, Body Heat by Lawrence Kasdan, a 1981 movie uh, about uh, in the midst of a searing Florida heat wave, a woman convinces her lover, a small town lawyer, to murder her rich husband. Sound like anything else? <laughs> uh, it's double indemnity, people. Does she convince him though? He kind of like, according to Ebert. Well, I, I think that's I think that's the trick she pulls. It's that the thing yeah. you can do where you convince something that someone is their idea, but really it was your idea, but they don't know that. It, it, she got it's the, reverse psychiatry. She mm-hmm. got the dream machine from Inception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she incepted <laughs> him with the idea to murder her husband. Yeah, double indemnity is to this movie as this movie is to Inception, I think. There you go. That tracks. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, <laughs> Devil Indemnity is a movie we're going to get to later in the book. I kind of wish we got to do that one first. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Um, it would have been more interesting to do this as more of a follow-up than um, a prequel. It's, it's like a, it's a, almost like the Star Wars series. Except, in this case, the sequel, the, the original trilogy is terrible. Anyway, <laughs> what did you guys think of this movie? I liked it. I mean, so let me back up. This is the first movie that none of us had seen until Indeed the podcast. Is. So that's yep. exciting. Uh, yeah. And we can't, we can't do our sort of what did you like? What was your previous experience yeah, with the movie? Because straight into none of us how you felt. had any experience with it. I will say uh, to the extent that I sort of knew anything about this movie before I watched it. One, have not seen Double Indemnity. Looking forward to that. Um, but two, did either of you guys watch the TV show Veronica Mars? No, seen, I, I know I need to watch that one. Yeah, at I've some seen point. a little bit of it, and I know everyone seems to love it. I just yeah. like we watched some episodes of it and then never finished. And at some point before I die, I'd like to. <laughs> You'll get there. Yeah. yeah, you can probably just watch season one and ignore everything after that, and you're probably fine. Two, if you're feeling it. Anyway, <laughs> there's a very early episode, like the third episode of the show, and she's a private investigator. Um, but long story short, there's like a plot point that hinges on a guy working in a video store recommending somebody watch Body Heat, and that had been my entire experience with this movie what? <laughs> until I watched it, which is, oh, Body Heat, yeah, apparently, because in the Veronica Mars episode, it turns out that somebody has a secret identity uh, in sense, or they're not who you thought they were, they're living a different life, ah. and so in retrospect, it's a clue that like they plant at the beginning that the video clerk recommends body heat um so you know that that was my experience with it coming in um i liked it i like modern noir movies um in general so i was pretty primed i think to enjoy what would this. you say is a modern noir in comparison um mulholland drive <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to give an example, um, which some is, of us have made a full. Uh, I was going to say 180 which, uh, degree on <laughs> Dylan Mulholland Drive update corner now, now pro. Yep. Um, yes, very pro. And I'm sure it's, it was going to be part of my um, watched this week list that we were going to do at oh, the well, end. We'll go there. We, we can grill you on it later on. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in general, um, I, I liked the vibe. I, I have my nitpicks, and we'll we'll obviously get into those. But overall, mm-hmm. pretty positive. <laughs> what about you, Nick? Uh, I had a good time with it. I mean, it's not like in in this series of movies we've done stuff like Bicycle Thieves, which is one of just the most serious. Like, <laughs> it's a it's a film, mm-hmm. like capital F, black right. and white, somber movie. This one was like just such a different speed from something like that, where it's just mm-hmm. fun. Like, I had a f- I had such a fun time watching this. Um, it's very pulpy. And yeah, I too, I like noir a lot. Um, I really like Double Indemnity. And I mean, I think Double Indemnity is a better movie than this, but there's one thing that this movie does uh, that we'll get to that I think it does way better than Double Indemnity. Um, That's interesting. I I do think, I mean, I'm going to come in here being the negative to me, but I I don't know if I'm going to be as negative as you guys kind of assume I will be. Um it didn't work for me <laughs> almost entirely. And I think it kind of almost goes along with what Nick said. I forget what it is, but I think it's the library of Congress that says, um, to put, when they put a piece of art into it, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah significant like contributions to culture or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. Culture, artistic or historically significant, mm-hmm. which I think like that's something you can define all the way as the Transformers series is culturally significant. Mm-hmm. It's not great, but it's like it's important to like understanding what like modern action movies are today, I think. Yeah, it's called the, so, the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress. There you go. Yeah, yeah I knew it was something culturally, like culturally, historically, um, or aesthetically significant. Aesthetically. That's artistically. Right. Fair enough. <laughs> um and for as much as I uh, like hated Bill Desert, just right out the ramparts, um, I can at least see how it would fit being either culturally, historically, aesthetically significant. I don't know why the hell this movie <laughs> fits into any of these categories. Honestly, it's it's just it's it's fine. Like I don't know. Like, I didn't think much about it. Even negatively, in general, it was just, uh, it was a movie. Fun. I mean, I will say, I don't know if this actually speaks to it being culturally significant, but, like, this was a movie that I always knew about and that it existed and what it about, what it was about and that it was, like, an adult movie that was sexy and that, like, <laughs> you know, I, I always was aware of it. And so I think it has some cultural relevance and that, like, it was seen mm-hmm. as very, like forward and uh that's what i'm looking for not groundbreaking but like sort of nor you know crossing the bounds of what people thought was acceptable yeah um which you know it it is and it isn't um and maybe in 1980 the context was i mean i'm sure it was different that was 40 years ago when this movie came out so um which is (laughs) everyone feel old pretty wacky um Wait, is is Body Heat in the? I'm not seeing it on the National Film Registry. I, I do see that Clerks oh. Clerks was added last year, which oh, oh, good for Clerks. Don't know why it took that long to get one of the greatest films ever made put in there. Uh, <laughs> not a Clerks fan, Dylan. Uh, not a Kevin Smith fan, in in general. I mean, he's oh, that's he's right. Made, we fo- 
we've fought he's made about some duds, before, but, right? Yeah, he, he's made some duds, but he made the movie that I've seen the most in my life by like fivefold, which is Mallrats. Yeah, that's gonna say. We, I think we've fought about well, you and I with Dylan have fought about Mallrats before because I've also seen Mallrats eight million yeah, times. That, that's funny. and also digression. I think if you were gonna pick a Kevin Smith movie to put on that list, though, like Clerks is a huge oh, of deal, yeah, right? Of like, yeah, like I, 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 I even get like the cultural significance yeah, of Clerks, yeah, yeah. Even, even though, though I find it numbing. What a what a strange movie. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think though to your point, Dylan, it is interesting that Ebert chose Body Heat to put, you know, to declare one of the capital G great Especially movies. Especially in yeah. book one. Yeah, I think, although it might, it maybe have been intentional. I can't pretend to read his mind or know his motivations, but I yeah. would be curious if to Nick's point, it's like, mix it up a little bit. You know, so many of these movies sure. are so yeah. serious and so academic and so historical. Maybe he was like, eh, let me just throw in a movie that's that he thought was good and fun to watch, like, you know. If I, if I wrote my great movies book, more than likely Gamera 3, uh, <laughs> The Rise, the Revenge of Iris, is going to be in there. It's a it's a fun, great right. movie. But, um, yep, yeah, but, like, I, I don't know. I feel like even Gamera 3, Revenge of Iris, falls somewhere in those three different things. And, and Body Heat, it just felt like a, a normal movie to me. Which it, it, it isn't objectively a bad thing, but when you're very little interest in erotic thrillers, I was going to say you're just it's your genre bias coming back again. It is, and I'm trying not to let it affect me too much. But the fact that it, like I like I said, at least I can understand why Belle de Jour for some people would be the, mm-hmm. the quote unquote like a great movie, and to just have to watch one in a genre that you're not super into that was just meh. It was almost more frustrating. Yeah, I mean, this one did kind of like kick off that '80s wave of That's kind erotic of what thriller. I was so, so if yeah, yeah, if for okay. if, if not for like any other reason, then I think that's notable. Like, I don't know if that's enough. That's fair. I don't. I, not, I, I wouldn't I know a lot of the culture here. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have put it in my uh, great movies book, <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, I can, I guess, see the rationale. I mean, he's much higher on it than I'm going to be. I think it's yeah. a fun movie. I don't think yeah. it's... Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't anticipate that I'm going to be giving it four stars uh, <laughs> an hour from now. Okay, good. Yeah. Not, I, I, not even just to, five. like, prank you. Yeah. yeah I'm going to give it <laughs> a four. That my calculator Excel sheet just breaks. Right. No, I'm I'm this I'm basically the same way, which is I I enjoyed watching mm-hmm. it. It was funny right after. So we watched it last weekend, and I logged it on Letterbox, and a friend texted me, well, seemingly to me out of nowhere, but he must have seen my Letterbox, and was like, "Oh, we almost watched Body Heat last night." Like him and his husband, and I was like, "Really?" And he's like, "Yeah, I was looking at HBO Max. Maybe we'll check that out." And I was like, "Oh, maybe maybe Body Heat's gonna have a comeback now that everyone's yeah. looking at the offerings on HBO Max." And it's like, it's summer, you know, something in the air. <laughs> maybe it's gonna uh, have a resurgence and be ripe for revisiting. I yeah, it, doubt well, it. I, I, it was good to watch this in in the middle of the summer as opposed to watching it. That's true. Like it's a it's January. a perfect. Uh, yeah, it's, it's great weather for it. Um, like, I didn't really know much about it, but, like, when I told my dad I was watching Body Heat, and most of the movies I tell him, he's just like, oh, uh, Eight and a Half by Federico <laughs> Fellini? Like, he's like, sure, right. I don't know. But I was like, I watched I watched Body Heat, and he was like, ooh, yeah. Body Heat. Right, I think for a lot of people, they just, <laughs> And then, like, yeah. I, then my aunt called me for my birthday, and I was like, oh, I'm doing my podcast, because she, like, wants to know what I'm doing. And I was like, uh... 
I just watched Body Heat and she was like, ooh. Body Heat. Right. But it, it totally has that reputation. Like, that's what I always thought of it before yeah. watching so it. So like, I, oh, I guess movie. I don't know a lot of that cultural background to it. So just watching it up front, I was just like... Yeah. I think yeah. probably a, when I was younger, I didn't know the difference between which one was Body Heat and which one was Nine and a Half Weeks. Um, I don't know if Dylan, you know what Nine and a Half Weeks is, but like that was just a. I mean, I've never seen that it. That was just another like, movie, like I, I know the on name. the shelves at Blockbuster. That was like, I don't think I'm allowed to rent that one. Uh, and Body <laughs> Heat was always one of those too. I mean, you, we talked about happiness this past we week. We did. Like, you. You got happiness at some point. That, as I think, I, I almost brought it up when we were talking about it because it does seem insane that I was like, yeah, I saw that when I was 15. Uh, friend's older brother had rented it, and then we all watched it what at a friend's shit house. Movie. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm not like a big Todd Salon's defender or anything in general, no. um, and I can't defend a movie that I haven't seen in 20 years, but now I kind of want to go back and watch it. I you see at the time, I just remember being like, ooh. I, I, I'm cool because I like this movie and yeah, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on to the, the movie portion. It yes. has been closer to two weeks for me since I've seen this movie. <laughs> so well, I hope you can the, remember the convoluted plot. I took, <laughs> I took some pretty diligent notes, so I'm, I'm feeling okay. Dylan, um, diligent notes? <laughs> God, I, I do not like the word Diligent, because whenever I say it, people say diligent. <laughs> shut, shut up. Tough stuff. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so the movie opens with some uh, curvy title credits, mm-hmm. um, very wispy, and uh, it kind of fades into this uh, smoky fire that we see in the distance. And I thought that was a really cool way of opening the movie. Honestly, when th- when this like dissolve happened and we see this like fire in the background and it's like after uh william hurt which i i just learned from reading the ebert review it's a second movie which yeah pretty impressive and kathleen she turner's was, uh, first i guess yeah her debut yeah, which that's man crazy. what a way to start yeah yep and um it, i think that definitely set the tone well for the movie mm-hmm. whether or not i think it went well after that but i i think that was a very good tone setter um, for the movie. And the person he shacked up with looked a lot like Sigourney Weaver to me. I don't know why, but oh, the, that was one of the things I took in my notes. The girl from the beginning? Yeah, I mean, she has the same like yes. style and like curly hair and stuff. I can see that. Yeah. Anyway, so um, which, what did you guys uh, dig in the opening? I mean, same. I like, like I said, that initial vibe. Um, I, I agree that it very quickly puts you in the, the mood and the atmosphere um, of this place which i guess is just miserably hot florida <laughs> like and you can sort of feel it from minute one so i thought that was effective mm-hmm. yeah and you get an idea right away as to what kind of guy he is based on like right. what the woman says to him mm-hmm. like i think she says you've had your fun or something to that effect so we kind of know who uh what is this ned ned ned, ned, ned racine, ned racine. Yeah. yeah so we get an idea as to who ned racine is right away and then like you said we see that it's the sweatiest place in the world. Oh, yeah. What a sweaty movie. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It's the sweatiest. I can't think of a movie that's sweatier than this one. I'm sure, like, one of the, like, Vietnam War movies is maybe sure. sweatier. But, but this, like. I, I watched one this week that was sweatier. What? Do the right thing. I mean, that's also a pretty sweaty movie. Yeah. You got yeah. Danny Elio just, like, wiping this 
sweat off his forehead yeah. this whole movie in this hot ass pizza it's restaurant. Gotta be hot, yeah. Yeah, that was interesting to watch like two heat wave movies in the matter of two days. They really bookend the eight. Like they they hadn't for That's whatever true. reason all of the eighties didn't have air conditioning. It was just like, yep, <laughs> right. every movie's gonna be super sweaty. So yeah, exactly. I like that you you wrote that in your letterbox review, Nick, and then like Ebert almost directly responded to you yeah. in his review. It was just like, yeah, Florida had air conditioning, but it wouldn't make it as steamy if they did. Yeah, I do like that he felt like he had to address it. Like we all know these people did not have to be that hot, but for a for a filmmaking <laughs> convention, it works. She's incredibly rich. Like she could have afforded air conditioning. Right. Well, you don't need air conditioning. I know, that's the difference between do the right thing and yeah, exactly. The mm-hmm. people in body. She heat. chooses to just fill bathtubs full of ice cubes when she could have <laughs> central air. Well, but for the most part, the heat doesn't bother her. Um, that's true. It's really more him. That, yeah, she says that the heat doesn't bother her. The only times that we really see the heat bothering her are um, like that scene, the bathtub with ice, mm-hmm. and then. I think the very, like, final shot of the movie, she complains about the heat. Yeah, I think that's right. She's not even floored at that point. Yeah. And also, that bath that bathtub set piece is immaculate. Yeah. She's got a cool I like, house. I was going to say, I like everything about that house. <laughs> I think that's one of the things the movie has going for it. Like, as sort of the... Solid house. Well, just the... the what's the word I'm looking for? I guess the set design in general. It really mm-hmm. works. And, like, the difference between his living situation and hers and his office and it definitely you know tells you about who it goes from like being the most boringly filmed movie in almost every scene outside of the house to when it gets to like the house scenes or any scene with her Mm -hmm. it's just like let's slow zoom and yeah heavily shadow and smoky smokes yep i'm gonna go all in on that um we learn then that Ned Racine is a lawyer. Mm-hmm. We see him at a uh, a trial, which I didn't take enough notes on, but the trial comes back later. I don't even remember what that trial's about. Do you guys remember? I don't. I just remember that he he's, uh. it's literally a plot point that he's not a very good attorney. <laughs> like, he's mm-hmm. just yeah. not a particularly good lawyer. <laughs> yeah, and he, he's a... Uh, then it shows him in... Um, cafe mm-hmm. and he meets ted danson and when ted danson walked on screen i literally just went damn He's, look at him i know and this would have been right at the very beginning of cheers like super early on no, the, was it i think this was before cheers was i think it, it was pre-cheers pre- ted danson probably cheers. right it must have been right around that same time 82 oh, okay. and this, was this was 80 all right so yeah this is like super young ted danson looking good Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He's his DA um, buddy. He's better than he's better than William Hurt's mustache, I'll say that. <laughs> it was, you know, well, it was a look of the time. The yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna do about that? Mm-hmm. Um did you guys have anything to say about the setup of Ned Racine's life and his friends and his work? I mean his life seems kinda you know, he's just kinda floating through it, getting by. Yeah. Like he doesn't seem I think I yeah. think one of the things that makes him such an easy target for her ultimately is that he has this kind of just like, like, and I don't mean this in a in a judgmental way, but like a pathetic kind of life. Like he just doesn't really have anything going on. He's just getting by. He's got a couple of friends. He's not a very good attorney. Like he's kind of an easy mark because she can roll up into his life and be 
beautiful and mysterious and make him feel like, you know, he's important. And uh, <laughs> that is very tempting to him, I think. So here's yeah. here's where I'm going to say that um, this movie, and I, I think that they're trying to pull different things off. But one thing that I like about this, the double indemnity doesn't do as well as double indemnity. You kind of always know that she's up to something and that he's a mark and he's a sucker. Mm-hmm. And in this William hurts, like he's set up as being pretty cool where you can buy that. She's actually interested in him. And oh, totally. And, and I think the movie pulls that off really well. Cause even like, you know, most of the way through the movie, maybe, or maybe like halfway through the movie, I'm like, okay, like, I know that this is based on double indemnity, so it's it's which I probably shouldn't know going into it, but whatever. Uh, I know it's going to go one of two ways: either she's gonna she's been playing him the whole time, or she's going to have like some kind of change of heart, and that's and she ends up betraying him. Mm-hmm. But even the way it it starts off, um, he approaches her, mm-hmm. and yeah. and it's his idea to kill the husband so like maybe she's goading him into that a little bit with the way she talks but he's he's an active enough character that you're really like you're caught off guard more so than you are with um phyllis being a villain like when you've when things like start to unravel in double indemnity you're like well yeah of course Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in this, it's a little bit more like, oh, she's she's pulling like some high level shenanigans. Like this is a chess game that he's not, he's he's multiple steps behind. So I, I really like right. the way that they they set up mm-hmm. where you could believe that she would be. And I, I mean, even at the end, it's it's debatable. There's like to a certain extent, she may actually have had some feelings for him. So mm-hmm. um, I, I like the, the trick that this movie pulls in that way. Yeah. It's uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I I agree with that, too, at least with the fact that, um, you know, he does approach her and she doesn't mm-hmm. seem, you know, she never she seems She blows like, him off. Yeah, yeah. And she she goes him. Right. She doesn't seem like she's, I think if she was more of like a damsel in distress, you might see it earlier yeah. as like, oh, she's playing mm-hmm. it up. She's being manipulative. But she kind of comes across like she doesn't really need him necessarily. Um you know, and so I think that is more, bit. yeah. But I think that's more <laughs> effective than if she was just. It doesn't feel like she's setting a trap for him, at least not for the first, you know, chunk of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. she's she's too strong of a, mm-hmm. a person to seem like she's like, oh, I need help, my husband, this and that. Right. And, and if he was a bumbling fool or whatever, I, I mean, he kind of is to a certain <laughs> extent. But you know what I mean. Like he also, I think, I think he more becomes one like i think and whether it's just because of his infatuation with her and the relationship or just the way the movie is structured but i feel like he starts off like i said seeming like his life kind of is is whatever but he seems like a relatively cool guy he doesn't seem like an idiot Mm -hmm. um he seems like he's just like whatever my life's kind of boring i got kind of like this you know (laughs) shitty place and i just do my job um but he doesn't seem yeah like a fool or anything but then by the end, once everything starts unraveling, <laughs> that's when you're kind of like, oh, buddy, you've gotten mm. it over your head. Although, like, in his defense, he is smart enough to sort of figure it out. He just figures it out six months too late. I was going to say, yep, just yeah. too late. Yeah, no, he, yeah, he figures uh-huh. it out, but it's too late by that point. I do think the idea that um, she does blow him off and he keeps on, like, persisting, like, then mm-hmm. into the bar, 
then she takes him home, um, and then kind of kicks him out, and then <laughs> stupid part of the movie when he just Bruh. he grabs like a, I thought it was a trash can, but Ebert said it was a chair. It wasn't it like a lawn chair or not like, like a lawn chair, but like a patio. Oh, okay. I th- I thought like, I thought it was like a trash can, but maybe yeah, I'm getting my do the right I things. Think. Yeah, maybe you're thinking of do the yeah. right thing. Yeah, that's a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, That's, but yeah, he throws those two it scenes the end way differently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I think at that point she learns that like he is not a dude that's gonna take no for an answer, mm-hmm. which makes him at least to me kind of like annoyingly and un- unlikable. Mm-hmm. He's kind of just a dick. It's... But to her, I think she realizes that like oh she can like goad in like how she hates her husband, and when he's like oh I could murder her, she could be like. No, it's fine. And then you'd be like, no, I'll totally murder right. him. So don't worry. Yeah. And it, I think, too, I mean, yeah, that scene plays very strangely now in a way that I think in 1980 just would have been like, look, he's a man of action. He, you know, is coming back uh, for her. Um, and it right now it plays very strangely. Breaking like, what and are entering you doing? Yeah. with you massive left. home damage. Right. I mean, yeah. Not they need to get that fixed. Right. Yeah. Just clean the glass up. That's a lot of a lot of trouble for a. Which ultimately a gesture. Um, he was very close <laughs> to the door. Still, he could have just knocked again. Right. Like, <laughs> I know. And yeah. maybe that maybe that wouldn't have worked. But dude didn't even try. Yeah, she was into it though. So I guess he yeah. uh, he knew what he was doing. Hmm. Um. One of the lines that I found. Okay, there were so many like lines. I just rolled my eyes and. Uh, which I'm gonna go to quickly something Ebert says in the book, which he says like. This can stand alone without, like, the history of film noir behind it, which I think is what a good film noir could do. And after watching Mulholland Drive this past week, I think that's something that can kind of fall into that. I don't think you can go through this movie and, like, actively take it seriously unless you know, like, kind of like the uh, hyper-exaggerated sort of hammy dialogue Mm -hmm. that was in, like, old film noirs. But, like, she says, like, I run about 180 degrees hot. That's why I'm not affected. It's like, okay. Or when, like, she says, Ned, this is so wrong. He's like, no, it's so right. I have it's so right uh, written down. It's just, like, a really, really bad line. That's a bad one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very bad line. Or the one that... um. Uh, Ebert points out where he's like, maybe you shouldn't dress like that. And she says, oh God. this is yeah. a blout and a skirt. I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, then you shouldn't wear that body. body. Yeah. And it's just like, if if you've seen old, like, the the sort of Bogart, Bacall film noirs, where they're just like cloying dialogue mm-hmm. at each other, like this hyper stylized sort of almost purposefully bad film noir dialogue mm-hmm. it kind of makes more sense right like yeah. that in my opinion there's still bad lines but like but you know what I at it's least see on. like what they're trying yeah, yeah. I'm, i know what they're trying to at least do with it yeah. like and, and that was something like i don't think this film can really stand outside the history of film noir for me because it's really actively trying to like pull a lot of stuff from the past yeah and i would say that um I I mean I don't I don't know this for a fact but I feel like Kazdin at least the way the film comes off he, he's purposely echoing 
all that stuff. Yeah. And he's not, oh, and, yeah, and yeah. He's, like, I don't he's not trying to exist outside of the genre the way that Ebert is kind of like giving him credit for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's fine. That was just something I noticed with Ebert's writing mm-hmm. that I was just like, yeah, that didn't exactly feel right to me. Um, either way, it's so right. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because then Ebert, the couple of the other lines he quotes that I thought actually were better like the you're not too smart are you i like that in a man which i thought was yeah funny. yeah like those those are right. fine lines. That, that sounds right out of Big exactly Slip. and it and it's funny and i think they pull those off but yeah there there's a line that he sort of crosses a couple of times where you're mm-hmm. like mm, pull it back like that's no. not you can't do it <laughs> right yeah in. you can't you can't pull that off um yeah we need carrie fisher doing the script supervising yes yeah would help which Great script supervisor, which is so weird. (laughs) But (laughs) anyway, something I kind of started picking up on in this part, and I I feel like I'm going to be a little out of the mold on this one, is I didn't feel like Turner and Hurt had almost any chemistry together. I'm not sure if that's something you guys felt. That's that's just one of the things that kind of took me out of the movie. I don't know. It's not... I think they have some chemistry. It's not very natural. I think it's it kind of is in line with some of the other things mm-hmm. we're talking about okay. where it's very, you know, I, I think they play well off each other, but no, it's not a very natural sort of chemistry. Mm-hmm. It's a very sort of heightened, um, I think maybe this is the heightened nature of their interactions with each other because of everything is, you know, at mm. night and it's sweaty and there's this dialogue. <laughs> um, and I think, so it worked for me. I felt it believable that they would have this relationship and that he would, you know, feel so compelled to stay involved and end up, making the decisions he makes um but i do sort of agree that it's i don't necessarily buy it as a like mm-hmm. as a natural oh, thing a strong romance yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> which uh, yeah. yeah i would say that they have really about as much chemistry as um uh phil Dietrichson and the guy whose name escapes me at the moment in, in double indemnity like they also don't have great chemistry at least the way i remember it i haven't seen it in a few yeah, years yeah so. i i i mean i haven't seen it in a few years either but something i remember that is something that you kind of brought up is a, they kind of show up front that phyllis is like she's messing with this dude mm-hmm. and oh. so i feel like the chemistry up front kind of being a little awkward it like it, it it's more comprehensible um it's our buddy fred mcmurray well, by the way uh yeah. yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, from the apartment. Yeah, I was yeah. trying to think of the the character's name. Yeah, but, Walter. Uh, Walter, in Double Indemnity. Oh, Neff. Neff. That's yeah. yeah. It's Neff. Yeah. Okay, I should have known that because those are uh, Noah's initials. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I I do think that the idea that I didn't feel this sort of chemistry between them makes more sense when you realize that she is playing him and it's kind of just a play. Right. Then I stopped giving up on trying to like understand the chemistry mm-hmm. between the characters and accepting it, and so maybe that's something that's like a give and take where like you know body heat might be a little bit more interesting the way it sort of develops its characters instead of stating things up front. But some of the character relations to me worked a little bit better in Dumbo and Dynasty because it's up front. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because yeah, you gonna, knew. Yeah, I, I was just going to say in fairness to Double Indemnity, that one's told as a flashback, so you right. Yeah, you, like I I don't think you're supposed to. That's that's not like what the trick is of the movie. Like you're mm-hmm. you're not supposed to be like, oh, she's actually bad. You like you kind of know. From <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Right. But you just like the way the story's told in this one, where it's not as upfront. Yeah, I mean, it's 
calling it a twist is maybe giving it a little bit too much credit, but you know, there until we get to the end. Yeah, there there are yeah. some there are some surprising. Yeah, I just mean that that she and that she's playing him rather mm-hmm. than actually. Yeah. Um, but it is like there's some tension there that you have as the viewer where you're like, how much should I trust her? Clearly not a hundred percent, but like. What are her, what are her intentions? Like, is she really like an evil mastermind, or is she uh-huh. just kind of like when we get to the will part? It's like, well, that's clear. We are gonna have to. Th- that's <laughs> clear. Yeah, minutes. like it was clearly bad of her to do, but to mm-hmm. what extent was it bad? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because it's not until that final twist reveal where it really confirms that this was like an elaborate long con. Everything up until yeah, that point, yeah. it could have been her just. Finding opportunities and taking advantage of them to like mm-hmm. try to get out of this situation she was unhappy with, and like improvising along the way um, until that turns out not to be the case. It, it really, <laughs> it almost pulls like the straw that broke the camel's back, where it just starts like adding straws mm-hmm. and it gets like heavier. That it's like, oh, she's playing it, but like it hasn't really broken right. it yet. Yeah, until yeah, and I, that very fine. And I like that dramatic tension that this movie pulls. Yeah, that's fine. That something I like Double that. Indemnity doesn't have and isn't trying to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Different thing. Um, well, after they consummate their insanity, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, there's just a lot of sex. Honestly, that just—that's my next note. This is going to bug me so much, and me describing it is not going to help at all. But I was either listening—I was either listening to a podcast or reading something this week that mentioned um, body heat, like in the context of. Maybe, oh, you know what? I think it was on this week's This Had Oscar Buzz podcast, and I can't remember why it came up. Hmm. Um, oh, maybe because, anyway, doesn't matter, but I remember someone saying, <laughs> Kathleen Turner leads him around by the dick in that movie. <laughs> I was like, yeah, she, it's not wrong. she really does. <laughs> like, liter- literally and figuratively, kind of. Um, yeah. She grabbed that and... Yeah, yeah, they, um, they spend a lot of time in that house just, you know, being naked, being yeah. hot. What you going to do? There's a lot of being... Yeah. <laughs> Nellie watched it with me and she did say it could have been more erotic yeah it, it could have been the thing is it it decides to put like almost all of its sex scenes within like this second quarter of the movie yeah it's kind of like it, how in Moana after a certain part there's not songs anymore like they cram all the songs <laughs> yeah, in the first yeah, half of the movie same thing. I was trying to figure out how it was kind of like Moana for a second there it's like <laughs> <laughs> also uh yeah but no, you're you're totally right. It's structured like Moana's a good example, and there's other musicals that do that too. I mean, even kind of La La Land does that too, where it's a yeah, musical, yeah. and then there's like 30 or 40 minutes where just yeah, it's like now it's just story, right? Just and, move the plot along, and that's along. kind of what happens here, where it's like it's an erotic thriller, and they're naked all the time, and then it's like okay, well, we gotta have actual plot now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I, I definitely could have seen like how they would have um, put more of the sexy sex into the, like the later half of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever, I think the pacing is commendable mm-hmm. in the second half. I think it's for the best that they decided to just say like, this is the scenes where they're just hooking up. Yeah. You've been led around by the dick and like, that's it. Yeah. And then we can move on to the mur- the murder stuff. Right. And it provides the context for how they got into exactly. that situation. Yeah. yeah. He got into that well, situation. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, one of the next parts was just the stupidest part in the movie, which is uh, she, she leaves a present for with his secretary for him, and it's a fedora, and it's like, 
Oh my god. I mean, is... that's the that's just more of the this is a commentary as much of it as it's a movie, right? Like Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did the 80s have a, a fedora wave in it? Not really. I don't yeah. I mean, yeah, I, was, I was gonna say this I could, is purely I, I think just a sort of wink as it's like a old school noir guy with his Yeah. yeah. Again, if if, you, there, if there was nothing known as a film noir and you watched, didn't watch it without knowing it's a film noir, you would be very like, confused. This is a fucking fedora yeah. in this '80s movie. Yeah, here when, have a fedora. Like across the street, someone's probably playing like Madonna or something. <laughs> like, this, no, this is not. There is a cool shot though when she gives him the fedora and he uh, like rolls up the car window to see, and it like yep. mm-hmm. goes from her. I face literally to wrote face. window shot. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's that cool. was pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. It is. It's a it's a great yeah. shot. Um, so another thing that happens kind of in the very few plot lines during their sexy sex scenes, um, there's a person named Marianne who shows up mm-hmm. just randomly in their, uh, what is it called? Uh, it's a gazebo. Is that what it was? Yeah. Gazebo. Yeah. Gazebo. I was, I wanted to say gondola. No, <laughs> no. yeah. Quite. That'd be cool though. <laughs> Man, they're not that rich, but yeah, they, she just like shows up in the gazebo. And you're just like, who is this doppelganger of Maddie? Which doesn't really come up again <laughs> until the very end. But well, I think it's supposed yeah. to just make you um, like put him on edge because he sees her from behind and says, "Hey, lady, want to fuck?" And I, I, <laughs> which is, yeah. I think is. I think it's hilarious. It was I hilarious. Was, I thought that was so funny too. Really, <laughs> I thought that was really funny. <laughs> but it it plays like a oh they like they need to start being more careful because right. he's clearly yeah. fucking up. Especially when like a kid walks in on them mm-hmm. at one point during their yeah, and the, and the kid just like goes back to bed. Oh, they the, don't even the, talk like, to the kid about it or whatever. Yeah, the niece. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I feel like that's something you got to go up to the kid and like just be like, so mommy had a friend over. Right. Yeah, we got to talk about speaking of the kid. Um, this of all our movies, I believe, is our first official baseball movie. Yes, indeed, yeah. we got one. Yeah. Which um, she brings up the concept of a rover. Mm-hmm. Did you guys know what a rover was before no, this? I did not. I'd I'd heard Nick? it, but I'd completely forgotten about it until I heard them say it, and I was like, I do remember that, but we didn't use it that much. The way we would usually um, feel the tenth person is we would do. Left, left, center, right, center, and right. Me too. That that's how we did it in like my little league. Yeah, which uh, I think they did that so you could just run the bases more because not a lot of people could hit it to the outfield. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. So I I think that the rover, like maybe it was a t-ball or coach pitch thing, be, just to have more of the infield. So it's mm. basically like a, a roving extra infielder, and um, yeah. I think they're between. First and second, or maybe they just kind yeah, of... That is indeed yeah, what it yeah, is. Yeah. It's, it's like a shortstop for the, <laughs> for the other half. For <laughs> On the, the other side of the field? For the first okay. half of the, the field. Yeah, because um, because there's going to be, like, everyone's right-handed, and there's no pole hitter, so right. that's where all the balls are going. Just throw them there, <laughs> yeah. Which um, I would love to, if they ever have a, a, a left-sided shift, I would love for them to speak of the person that's playing in between, who's ever covering first and covering second as the it's rover. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, and um, I posted in, a, in our in our baseball group about like who would make the best modern baseball rover, and I like the Max Muncy call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say Max Muncy's a good yeah. call. Muncy's a great I'm, one. Yeah, I mean somebody like yeah. Baez, 
uh, I think is a good pick. Javi Baez. Yeah. Like somebody who plays yeah. short, somebody who, who's who got experience at both second and short, I think is yeah. like a good Makes pick. Makes sense. That's, that's fair. I think to me, it's someone that's like too slow for like the middle infield, but defensively capable enough to not put it first base. Okay. Because you yeah. have three, you have three, you have three people on one side of the the field. You do not really need a big diving fast person that like. You yeah, I guess. You, yeah, stuff. I guess you're maybe bias is wasted there. Yeah, described that way actually yeah. does sound perfectly like Muncie. When Muncie. You're like, yeah, like, yeah, like like, like Muncie fast, has defensive skills, but, but he's not the fastest no. or can chase down a, a hard hit grounder. Yeah. yeah, like anyway, somebody somebody who's still a second baseman, but kind of like lower tier fielding wise second baseman, mm-hmm. I guess. Like mm-hmm. yeah. where they'd just be wasted as a first maybe, baseman. Maybe yeah. Maybe like, Starling Marte at his age now. I, I was gonna say, oh no, Castro. Uh, Strong Castro. Starling Castro. Castro. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I get them mixed up so much. My bad. Yeah, oh, yeah uh, Castro. What about like Mike Mustakis? I don't know how good a fielder he is, but just like that's good. On yeah. the eye, just by, based on the eye test, and because he used to be a third baseman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, former third baseman. He was a slow third baseman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, exiting the baseball pod now. Maybe we shouldn't have too many baseball movies. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um. Anyway, where where is I? Um, um hey, lady, want to fuck? Sh- I was, yeah, hey, lady, you want to fuck? Is this no? Where the kid sees a blowjob? Where are we in chronology for him meeting her husband at the restaurant? So we, I think this all this happens, happens before. Okay, yeah. So say. we, so we meet the husband for the first time during the baseball conversation. Right. That's when the niece is in town. So she mm-hmm. see, she walks in on them. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. She walk, walks in on them and she's about right. to give him a blowjob. Yep. And then I think she after is that is when um, we went when uh, Ned and the husband Edmund was his name Edmund. 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 Sure. He doesn't look like an Edmund. No, I don't know what he looks like, but not an Edmund. Yeah. He's like an Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Ned. Yeah. I'm more like a Ned, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So I feel like it's almost, I think it comes right after the, uh, the child mm-hmm. scene because mm-hmm. that's when they say like, oh, we need to be more careful. Right. And then, and then he accidentally stumbles upon the husband. Promptly run into them at the restaurant. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, no. Yeah. And then have that thing that, I mean, I don't know how often this ever happens in real life because it sure happens a lot in TV shows and movies, but where someone is really insistent that like you dine with them because you ran into them at a restaurant, like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. You have to come and sit with us. I would never do that. I wouldn't either. Nice to meet you. I'm going to go have dinner. All my friends, (laughs) like, I'm going to do what I came here to do. Yeah. Yeah, I I would try to avoid something especially if like the one guy like he'd never even met her and supposedly like it's supposedly she'd only met him one time like absolutely the fuck not right exactly this is supposed to be a guy they barely know yeah yeah it's not like some family don't they mention it's their anniversary (sighs) it's some special occasion i'm pretty certain i feel like it was the anniversary at which point it's just like you are a bad husband you deserve to die yeah (laughs) well (laughs) that's it you're dead you're out of here he's not a good husband yeah, I, no. I do want to circle back because that reminds me of uh, what, what I think is one of the best lines of the movie. Because before this point, they've already mm-hmm. talked about, um, or or he has already brought up. No, actually, she says sometimes I wish he'd be dead. Right. And he, he says, 
it won't just happen to make things nice for us, which I think is a great line. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good line. Yeah, that was a really good one. See, that's one of those ones where he hits it in the sweet spot of like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, exactly. not not very natural language, but where it really fits the mood. And Yeah, and there's another line good. about murdering him that I really like that I've written down. But we'll yeah. That. But yeah. Like, he at least keeps it in the strike zone and doesn't like <laughs> throw it high inside for some chin music. Yeah, there you go. With the, it's so right. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it. that line is so right as opposed to the line, it's so right, which was Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, trying, I'm um, trying to find, too, where he, Ebert, I think Ebert calls it out. I'm trying to remember how she describes her husband. She calls him like a small, little, small weak. mean man or something. Yeah. Um, and then you meet him and like... I don't know if he's, I mean, he's probably shorter than William Hurt because most people are, but he doesn't come across like a weak man <laughs> when you meet yeah, him. He, he's a jerk, he, but. He threatens to murder just like generally, mm-hmm. like not anyone specifically, <laughs> but right. he, he theoretically threatens to murder anyone who uh, would cheat on, right? Uh, w- would cheat with his wife. Right, exactly. Yeah. Great. And he's a criminal of some sort. Yeah, he's always or he's just shady. He's always in the city on business, sir. Like he's he's only mm-hmm. home on the weekends. He's always going on business, and they're very not clear about exactly what it is mm-hmm. that he's up to. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was so, under I mean, the impression it's... it was some kind of crime, though, because they, yeah. the police later tell Ned like this would this wouldn't be his friend's, uh, mo. Yeah. And. That's I think true. only criminals have an, really MO. have an MO. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, what crime do we think he's doing? Because I feel like it would be some sort of like financial. Oh, doubt, yeah. Yeah, fraud. some kind something, of financial. Something yeah. kind of organized, you know, affiliated with organized yeah, crime okay. or something. Racketeering. Yeah. There you go. I don't Everyone know what that what, is. No Great. one knows what racketeering is. It's like a balk. Wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it? like a balk. <laughs> exactly like a balk. What is racketeering, Jenna? Do you I know? I don't know. It's, j- it's some kind of financial crime. Manipulating okay. finances, I don't know. William Hurt is only it took six. Me forever to understand what the hell laundering was because it sounds like laundering. Yeah. William Hurt's only six two. He's not like a okay. giant. Okay, he, maybe I just so my main association with William Hurt is from broadcast news. Um, oh, so yeah. I'm always so picturing him next that. to um, Holly works. Hunter, who, well, or Holly Hunter, who's like fully four <laughs> yeah. eleven. Um, so he seems like an actual giant to me most of the time. Yeah, going back to like Holly Hunter and Helen Hunter is another like. Starling Castro, Starlin Marte, where I can never keep their <laughs> names straight between the two. Yeah. Um, racketeering refers to crimes committed at a state or federal level. It may refer to the act of acquiring a business operation through illegal activity, operating a business with illegally derived income, or using a business operation to commit illegal acts. So it's everything? Okay, so this is, uh, this <laughs> is yeah, it's, it's quite a blanket, but it sounds generally like the shame would be, it would Shame if your restaurant caught on fire. Yeah, ex- you should totally sell usually, it. Usually to involves us. extortion or coercion. A racket yeah. refers to a criminal act in which there's fraud perpetrated. Um, yeah, basically, it says uh, perpetra- fraudulently offers a service that will not be put into effect. A service to solve a non-existent problem or a problem that would solve a problem that would not exist without the racket. So exactly that. It's like a protection scheme. It's like. Mm. Yeah, yeah, nice, gotcha. nice restaurant. That makes sense. Something happened to it. Exactly. <laughs> glad we solved that. I, I'm, I'm super glad we're an informational show as long as, as well as an artistic right, there you one. Go. So, well, if, if listeners like that, that Jana's lawyer, get ready for our will talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> our is right. Oh now. yeah, 
Um, then we move on to... All, I, I mean, I saw he was listed in this movie, but it almost is a cameo uh-huh. that Mickey Rourke is in this movie. He just wasn't famous yet. It's like, it's one of those yeah. things I know. that retroactively feels like a cameo because they'd go on to be so famous. But at the time, they were just like was a well-cast young actor. Too? I think it is. So it was... Yeah, it is. It was Hurt's second, Turner's first. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Lawrence Kasdan's directorial debut. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of Indeed. people are... Man, they came in swinging on this yeah. one. Ted Danson. Is this Ted Danson's first movie? It's not his first movie. Okay, it yeah, has this, to be this isn't quite Danson. Rourke's first movie. So he was in 1941, which mm-hmm. was his first movie. Oof. Oh, jeez. Uh, oh, Heaven's Gate. I, oh, I haven't seen Heaven's that. Gate and a movie called Fade to Black. Oh, he's in Heaven's Gate? I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Um, This was either. Ted Danson's second movie, okay. like William Hurt. So this was a lot of people at the very beginning of their careers. Yeah. So are we at the? Are we at the? Is it um, murder time yet? Are we? No. Are we at the the Mickey Rourke scene? Because we got to <laughs> right. talk about. Oh yes, let's talk about the Mickey Rourke. We got to talk about yeah. Mickey Rourke. Yes. Uh, which it opens on <laughs> Mickey Rourke singing "Feel Like a Number" by Bob Bob Seger with like, you know, like the lip sync challenge that's like yeah. on whatever mm-hmm. CBS or USA mm-hmm. channel. It felt like that because he is so into it. Yeah. And I was like, what is happening in this stupid scene? I mean, you know, he was a very charismatic guy in his in his day. That's Mickey so Rourke. Weird to think I know. About. It's very strange to travel through time and be like, oh, look at this like young charismatic guy and oh. And you go to Iron Man Two and the wrestler. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Guy. Or just like his real life. It's a little disheartening to yeah. see, honestly. <laughs> it's it's, it's like, depressing. Oh, it's you never know. It's genuinely pretty depressing, yeah. You don't know yeah, what's gonna happen. No But man, he's he's was he's, he a bit of an asshole back then? I mean he was so young at this time. I don't know that he had I know. Much like of a, I don't know if his downward spiral had Right. I mean, yeah, this started. Was, he was already, I mean, he was an amateur boxer before he ever really started acting. Yeah. So he definitely, yeah, and then quit you know. To box. Yeah, and then went back and forth. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think he had any particular reputation at this time, but he just wasn't mm-hmm. very famous yet. I will say, somehow, he as the criminal arsonist person mm-hmm. is. Probably the most sympathetic character in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a pretty like, chill super guy. He's concerned about everything. Go- yeah, he's, yeah, he's just singing Bob Seger. He's working in his little shop, and he seems genuinely concerned like for William Hurt and the fact that William Hurt wants to do something bad. He's like, you know, this can hurt people. Right, he you really know, tries to talk him out of it. plan the perfect crime. And, like, <laughs> well, he, doesn't, he, like, doesn't he offer to do it for him? Pretty much. Yeah, like, he's like, I'd do it, man. Like, I, I promise. <laughs> you, need some, you need a job done. Yeah, he, he, he really tries to save William Hurt from himself. Yeah, well, presu- so Which, presumably Hurt got him off. Right, yeah. Of a, that's Of a previous rap. Right, because he said it was a prior client, right? So, mm. yeah. And then he, he throws the line at him, uh, something along the lines of, oh, I thought I had it written down. Oh, here we go. He says, what the fuck are you doing? This shit is not for you uh, for you to be messing with. Are you ready to hear something? I want you to see if this sounds familiar. Anytime you you try a decent crime, you got 50 ways you're going to fuck up. If you think mm-hmm. of 25 of them, you're a genius, and you ain't no genius. And presumably, uh, that is something... <laughs> that was that, a solid... Yeah. That is something that Hurt had said to him, and he th- he's throwing it back at him. Right, yeah. 
I, I think he's great in this movie. He's j- like it's just a very oh, yeah. small. Yeah, with that mm-hmm. the small screen time he has, he 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 goes all in. Oh yeah. yeah. He gets the Dion Waiters award in this movie. <laughs> he goes all in. <laughs> yeah. Okay, my next bullet point says what the fuck is that clown? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows. I have Wait, was there a clown? I don't remember a clown. <laughs> I wrote Ned goes to Miami. Sees clown driving, mm-hmm. and that's what it is, right? Like a clown is like a clown in a car, in a car? Yeah. and it's like a really. Creepy I cannot looking, remember that. It's a really creepy looking one too, if I recall. It's not like a okay. <laughs> fun clown. It's like oh my god. Oh yeah, even for a clown, he he goes to his lawyer's office, right? And he mm-hmm. he gets out of his car, and then he sees it. I can't remember. It's, Drive it's by sometime when he goes down to Miami. So at this point in the movie, like they're they're getting an arson box, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> yeah, that's but how it happens. He's getting an arson box from uh, from Mickey Rourke, mm-hmm. and so uh, the the line that I I wanted to bring up is once they once Ned decides that they're going to kill him, he says mm-hmm. we're going to kill him. We both know that uh, he doesn't deserve it. Yeah. So he he's like not trying to even justify it from like a, to rationalize it on a right. well your husband's a bad guy. He's like probably a criminal, and he's like. Seems yeah. like he's abusive to her, or I, th- I think she says that overtly. That's actually, the implication. It's, and it's really but, interesting the almost subtle shift from like we can't just kill him for our convenience to well we've decided to kill him and we mm-hmm. still don't have a good reason for it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. His, his opinion doesn't change about whether or not it's the right thing to do. He's just mm-hmm. like, well, I guess we've decided to do it. So that's that's what I like about that <laughs> yeah. line. He's just like, mm-hmm. well, we're doing this and mm-hmm. we're bad people for doing it, but <laughs> I wanna. We want about yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. So then the crime happens. Yes. <laughs> uh, not the smoothest thing. No. Um, I also probably should have checked for guns in the house, especially in your bedroom drawer that's right yeah. next to you. I feel like we've talked about this before because I know we've just in mention in passing talked about you know Coen Brothers movies and things like that. But I do like a poorly executed crime. Like I I do like a best yeah, laid they, they plans. Do it the best, yeah, it's. You know, and yeah, and the Coens are the best at it. But any time that there's a plan and it just all goes sideways immediately and everyone's scrambling and they've made a huge mess of the whole situation, um, that's always the best. So are we to believe that she didn't know that he had a gun um, and that's the plan going awry? Or did she know and she was hoping that it would lead to a scuffle wherein she could steal his glasses? So I thought about this and I I just... I don't know how you could plan that. Like, I feel like yeah. that's too many things. I mean, maybe like that. Yeah, that's, I, that's like almost. Yeah, that's too, too well. Like, that's just such a huge risk to be like, here's exactly what's going to happen. The gun's mm-hmm. going to be there. He's going to grab it. Like, because otherwise, like if he shot. shoots him, yeah, right. if she shoots like, him, there's she's going to have a lot right. of uh, explaining, a lot of explaining to, do. to do. Exactly. So yeah. I think and, it's, and yeah. Also, if you want him knocked, you would rather have him not have the gun than oh, have his glasses at the scene of the crime. Right. So I think in I think this particular situation is her improvising, like as opposed to the grand scheme of things. Um, yeah, I can't imagine that she had that all planned out. You would think that she would know mm-hmm. that he has a gun though. I don't know. Yeah, like, or or at it's least It's kind of a an imp- unimportant nitpick, but right, or at least it would have occurred to her that he had, even if she hadn't seen it herself. Like, right, if he's if he's out there racketeering, checked. right? He's a, like, if he's a criminal, there's probably a gun in the house somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, if 
if she had seen it before, like when she was like, I didn't know you had a gun, he would have just turned around during the, the home invasion and just been like, Woman, you said in this <laughs> yeah, gun fair enough. in my hand multiple times. Yeah. Um So I th- doesn't the uh husband at one point say when like William Hurt and him start scuffling, he's like, Are you trying to kill me? <laughs> Because I wrote that point down. Yeah. No, he he says that he says that to her, um, because right before oh, like this right happens, before, right. they're full. Yeah, around. that's right. And I was just, that's the yeah. Yeah, because I just wrote that, and then I just went. Pfft. Yeah. Yeah, it's right. Yeah, when he's talking to her. That's right. That's right. Yeah, they murder him and they burn the body. So what what was the plan then? The plan was for him to like the first part of the plan, right? Like he's gonna sneak up, he's gonna get him to go downstairs, and then he's gonna hit him in the head with the stick or whatever. Yeah, I guess that's so. pretty much what happened. Like the, right, the little snafu. Really, nothing came from that at all. Right. right? No, exactly. In the end, it's you know that it, it took a little bit longer and a little bit messier, but yeah, ultimately not even that much. Not even that much longer though. That's true. Yeah, no, not really. It'd have been interesting, like if the gun had discharged and they had to like figure right, out a way to right, like right. start to plaster over it, or if like it hit the chandelier, right. it would be like, oh, we have to. Right, which is what I later then it gets interesting, but like nothing, nothing happens. Right. So like again, yeah. yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Anyway, um, Jana, I'm gonna stop being host for the next. Part. <laughs> so. You want to talk about the will? Well, we got to get talking about the will. Yes. Because what the fuck? Yeah, so both of you guys watched this before me and mm-hmm. were talking about in our group text about there's this crazy... Nick and I just randomly almost watched it simultaneously. Yeah. I think we were off from like Which a minute. You were like a minute apart. Yeah. Um, but both of you were like, yeah. And we we almost both at the same time just started being like, Jenna. Yeah, there's legal nonsense. <laughs> what's happening here? Um, and what's, so what's funny about it is it, it truly is legal nonsense. This is not one of those things where I watch it and I'm like, oh, well, obviously this is so straightforward. So basically what happens is they go to the lawyer's office um, and it is discovered, first of all, that there was a new will um, that had been written shortly. I can't remember how shortly it is before his death, but like it had been updated shortly before his death. It seemed like a week. Right. Like it was about a week or so. It had been really, really soon. A key piece of factual information that's included in here is that it was witnessed by. The friend, the Marianne, Marianne right? And so, um, but there's a problem, um, and the problem is that the will is not enforceable because the way it's structured essentially makes it, um, unend- like never ending. Like you, so, what you can't have is you can't have a will that doesn't have an end date for how your estate will ultimately be distributed. So I can't say that my, you know, will will pay out a certain dollar amount per month and just like say that or i can't name you know people um that it's going to go to my great 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 you know granddaughter's whatever estate or you know person if that's a person who doesn't exist yet and there's this concept in the law (laughs) oh there's this concept in the law called the rule against perpetuities you learn it in like when you learn about both property and wills in law school and the actual wording of it um, is that no interest is good unless it must vest, if at all, not later than 21 years after some life in being at the creation of the interest. Yeah. So memorize that and then apply it. I <laughs> could never be a lawyer because I have no idea what you just said. So basically what that means, basically what that means is that whatever interest I've granted in my, um, in my will has to be resolved 
um, no later than 21 years after someone who's alive right now dies. Okay. Why, that's just what the rule is. Um, and this, this rule is so complicated that there was actually a Supreme Court case that established it's not legal malpractice to mess it up. <laughs> that if a lawyer accidentally screws this up, you can't sue them because it's too complicated. Hmm. Most wills, well, most states have now passed statutes to work around this. Um, if you are drafting a will, people will put in what's called a savings clause, which is basically to say, no matter what else is in this will, it, it will terminate 21 years after the last living person alive right now dies. Like, you know, you, you can you can fix it. Like, lawyers know how to protect against it. Some states have different rules. Some There's one version of this rule that just says 99 years. Whatever you put in your will, it has to be distributed within 99 years. Um, and it's really... It's really to prevent people from overly burdening their descendants with the administration of their estate. That's why you can't do like the great, 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 great grandkid because you're like putting the obligation on generations of people after you to like deal with your bullshit. To have great kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that. Um, so the mistake made in this will, and they don't get into how it was written because it really doesn't matter. Um, it's just that it was too open-ended, <laughs> that basically it was indefinite. And so that invalidates the will. They say we have to throw it out because it was written incorrectly. This will is not legal. It's not enforceable. And when someone dies without a will, they die what's called intestate, meaning it just goes to their surviving next of kin, typically, mm. which is almost always going to be spouse. a spouse. Um, and I don't know. I don't know Florida law. I don't know if Florida's a community property state. California is. It has its own special rules. But very long story short, if you die without a will and you're married, your spouse is probably getting at least half, yeah. if not everything, you had when you died. Yeah. So, like the in, in the movie, his goal was to give half to his wife and half to his niece. Right. And now um, she gets 100% of it. Right. Man, niece really got screwed, huh? Yeah. Well, I guess less so than other people in the movie, but sure. <laughs> she's saying, she, probably, God. she's got to be top five. Though. I was going to say, she's, she's had a rough couple of weeks uh, yeah. in her young life here. Actually, she's, yeah. Right? She's, she's, she's up there pretty high. <laughs> she's learned some things. She's lost out on probably a significant amount of money. Um, yeah. So, but it so is, how how common is that to happen then? I, I mean, I, know, I don't expect you to give numbers, but is it no, like, it's a pretty um, bad fuck up then on his part or like an egregious? Well... So here's the question, right? It's it was on purpose. The will was purposefully messed up to create this result or like that's what I that's my question here was So he never okay. he never he didn't actually make that will. Right. Yeah, yeah, he didn't make that will. Yeah, yeah. she she so, that was all She made it and forged mm-hmm. all of the signatures. Yeah, exactly. Right. But like just generally is mm-hmm. like if if that were to have been a will that he made is it like everyone looks at it and it's like dude you like did this and everyone looks like a lawyer would look at it immediately and be like come on man like fix right. this yeah so okay. yes a, a good lawyer would have looked at that and i mean and yeah it's a really like it's an easy mistake to make like if you're if you're trying to like elaborately if you have a bunch of money and you're trying to get rid of it in elaborate ways, like it is a, it's a, it's a complicated rule and it's kind of an easy mistake to make, but it's also such a well-known mistake mm. that any lawyer would like have checked basically okay. is what it is. Like if someone's doing okay. it, I think it's a very easy mistake to make if you do a will yourself. Like it's the kind of thing that you'd have mm-hmm. no idea. 
Um, but I think, <laughs> well, I mean, I, someone with Nick, <laughs> someone with like a lot of money. As long as you did not say that everything goes to your seventh grade grandchild, I think you're okay. No, um, but I did the top six. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Can I double checked. It's it's not a good story, but we so we did like our wills, and I did like my power of attorney for mm-hmm. like healthcare stuff. Uh, we did it recently, like earlier this year, which mm-hmm. um, probably should have done that uh, immediately after having a child, or maybe after getting married probably <laughs> would have been the best time to do that but whatever we put it off at least it sounds like you did it before the pandemic yeah. though, we did so. do it and <laughs> good I, timing i got uh both life and disability insurance before the pandemic which was very smart yeah good timing um, <laughs> but we we did it uh in like february of this year we had friends over mm-hmm. and we were uh, i think nelly and i were the only ones who'd seen parasite mm-hmm and then we're like, all right, everybody come over and we're going to watch, we're going to watch Parasite. And then while we were there, we had a couple friends sign as the sign witnesses the to this. Yeah. Uh, and I, th- I'm pretty sure that's the last time we ever had people over before. Jesus, that's dark. <laughs> we watched Parasite and had people witness our wills and then the yeah. pandemic. Hit and then, and then, uh, I have not seen any of those people since then. <laughs> this is the wildest thing. I've ever <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I will say like, we can wrap up we'll talk here in a second sure. um you know but yeah we don't no potential murderers come here this but uh like we don't have wills like if you don't have kids it's not usually like the biggest deal in the world uh my only friends i know who do have wills um are my friends who had kids that mm-hmm. and and we me and my husband were the ones who went over and signed as witnesses oh, okay. when they were doing their wills um so yeah you know that's that's fun grown up life experiences go to your friend's house be a witness on their will very exciting yep yeah Um, but yeah so it was but it was funny i will say to wrap just to wrap this up after you guys had told me like there's a scene that's very confusing (laughs) and has like a weird legal concept in it as soon as we got to the lawyer's office and they started talking about the will i was like oh no i know what's gonna (laughs) happen here um so it was fun you know gotta gotta have a legal corner every once in a while yeah we had a baseball corner. We had a legal corner. It was not Christmas at this any point in this movie, right? Too hot. Too hot for no. Christmas. Okay. Too hot for Christmas. Yeah. It, is, it, it was. Um, man, what 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 island did she go to? Or where, where did she go to at I, the end? I was... I don't think they say... the. I believe the guy at the end is speaking Portuguese. So I don't know if she's in yeah. Brazil or where we're supposed to think she is, but... I was about to say that, like, oh, it could be Christmas at the same time if she's in this other hemisphere, but that's not how it works. It's just, it's just winter. <laughs> I, I totally, like, for a minute I was like, oh, good call. I'm like, no, that's not how calendars work. Yep. That, I'm, Fair I do not. <laughs> I do not have the mental capabilities to be on the Oh, Lord. Anyway. Um, so, I think, well... Like Nick said, like the the movie kind of drags along. Like, how much is she like, you know, what what is she playing the game or is she not? At least I think if you've seen Double Indemnity and you know it's based off Double Indemnity, you kind of have the idea pretty early on. Which at least I did, mm-hmm. which is just like, oh, she's you know she's fucking with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like the will is like really where it it starts. For any like normal viewer to be like, oh, maybe she's like, right? Yeah, I hadn't. Yeah, because I hadn't seen Double Indemnity before this, and like I mm. knew there was some sort of like twist to this movie or whatever. Um, but I think it probably was 
definitely by the will scene where I was like, oh no, okay, yeah. I, you know, there's there's something going on here. She's she's Get pulling out. a fast one. That yeah, that really uh, is where it clicks in. At best, she's quite shady, lying to him and putting him in a position that right. could get him into like trouble with both mm-hmm. his job and the cops. Right. That's that's yeah. the best case scenario. Right. Exactly. And then uh, Ted Danson gets a testimony from the girl, mm-hmm. and you're just like, "Oh no, I see where this is going." Yeah. Um, that's a, that's then, a great scene when he walks out of the police station, and they mm-hmm. give him the opportunity to walk, like take the back way out, so he doesn't have mm-hmm. to see the niece because the niece right. is going to be a, um, she's going to testify about having seen, mm-hmm. um, I can uh, Maddie seeing Maddie with a man, mm-hmm. and. Ned just he he's like I'm not gonna go out the back way and it's right. a it's a real risk on his part but the way he plays that um, it it does a nice job of showing him being cool under right pressure yeah he's not panicking now comes to the I need to find I should have had this up this is my bad oh, I need to quote someone for having a great pun that both Nick and I oh. used. In his conversation with his buddy. Yep. So William Hurt goes to see Ted Danson, and what is Ted Danson doing? But (laughs) Danson, Ted Danson, Matt Lynch, Matt Lynch on Letterboxd. He's got the weird, greeny, sad face. Yeah, I think he's a. I think he's a Seattle-based writer. Maybe I follow him on Twitter too. I know. I like how he's looking. No, I can picture that. uh that icon yeah yeah yeah, his icon yeah i he's he's a great reviewer um so yeah great uh i'm not sure if he's the first one to do it but that's where i saw it yeah that's where i saw it first i really like i mean well ted danson's great always but i think that scene that scene in particular um and ebert calls it out to specifically to praise danson Mm -hmm. in the book um like he's walking this real tightrope in sort of being suspicious of his friend Ned of kind of wanting to help him but also you know being a little bit distant because he's you know has concerns and not Mm. really showing his hand I think he does a really good job yeah and he I I think he's still not totally believing that he was the one that helped him so right he's he's kind of trying to confirm a bias that this is my friend. He wouldn't murder right. some dude because his He's girl trying hot. to give him the opportunity to, like, explain himself or, you know, yeah, convince him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, crap, I can't remember what the judge from A Few Good Men, what his name is. But, um... Which character's other friend? Uh, yeah, the other... Oscar Grace. Yes. But, yeah, it's, it's the judge from A Few Good yeah, Men. J.A. Preston. Oh, yeah, that's what Preston. I know him from. Okay. <laughs> I, I looked it up after the movie. Yeah. I was like, that guy looks familiar. But yeah, but he's like trying to find Marianne Simpson and he's trying to look into this whole thing and it's you're like, oh no. Yeah, so the um, kind of the things like now that the niece has been resolved um, is a witness to them. So mm-hmm. we didn't really talk about that, but that was like a really gross scene, I thought. <laughs> oh, <laughs> of, with the niece? Yeah, of them explaining that oh, Denise yeah. really only saw things she was too young to see right. and didn't yeah. didn't see his face. I 
I was just like, oh, come on. Like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that was my reaction with a lot of <laughs> yeah. things. So. I don't know. That one particular, I, I think just because it was involving a kid, I'm like, come on, guys. Like, right. What are, we, yeah. what are we doing? What are we doing here? Uh, we can do better than also, this. Also, it's not necessary. It's like, we just don't need, doesn't doesn't have to be a kid, doesn't have to, like. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, that would not. And especially because, like, they, again, they didn't follow up with her. Yeah, that's not how that scene would I, I don't have a kid, but I feel like if you, if you have a kid or you know right. a kid and they could like, be doing um, something, like, you okay. have to go. Talk time. Yeah. 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 Um, definitely. So, like, the things that are concerns now is that, um, Marianne, who signed the will, mm-hmm. has disappeared and apparently left her house. Um, right like in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And I think we've also learned that she's, they say that she's in Europe or, or Maddie says she's in Europe, but they right. have no record of her having mm-hmm. traveled at the passport office or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And the other new information that Ted Danson tells him is that somebody called his hotel room in Miami, yeah. the night of the murder repeatedly during the time that the murder happened. That's where, if you weren't already sure that yeah, she was like, no like, good in front of the bus, ever. as soon as it's like, yeah, and there were multiple calls made to your hotel room and you weren't there, you're like, oh no, oh buddy, yeah, <laughs> you're you're already too far. You're going down. Behind. Yeah. Oh, and his glasses um, were gone. Right, and the glasses are gone. Yes. Yeah. Um, and this is something that comes up as we see Teddy, the Mickey Rowe character again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's very suspicious, and he mentions something about the Gorson case, which is the case that he's covering in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I don't understand the importance. I, I found remember. some of the stuff that they did in the second half pretty convoluted. I'm just like, what is this? Yeah. So was that the case in the beginning of the movie, or is it referring to the case that he had previously screwed up on? Because we learned at some point that he'd screwed up something i thought that was the case from the beginning of the movie though maybe i don't know i don't know i think i thought they were two different cases but i don't know like, yeah so I, may I w- or may not matter man if there's two different cases that's even more really well because yeah yeah could, I, man, then you could have just opened on the case that he screws well, up and that would have been one, an even because the one he screwed up on because when he talks to the other lawyer later lawyer. that lawyer sued him and so he would have had to have yeah. screwed up on the case so far mm-hmm. in the past that there was already a malpractice lawsuit about it. Yeah, it was so. like, I think they, they might even say that it was like four or five years ago yeah. or something like that. Yeah, oh, okay, was, then I must have it was a ways ago. Yeah, it was a ways ago. Yeah, so he, he, uh, so he, he has a history of screwing right. up right. legal cases. And then mm-hmm. Maddie had sort of been pointed in his direction. And that's what right. set the whole ball right. rolling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was she was referred I like how the other lawyer guy like rep, you know, put Maddie like onto him but also mm-hmm. was like, "Oh, but I also told her you were a terrible attorney." <laughs> like mm-hmm. like you know when you refer someone to someone and then warn them that they're bad. Okay. There's even that like AT&T or um uh what's the other one? Sprint commercial where it's like, "Oh, the coverage is just okay." And then the People that are getting recommended something just being okay, they're like, oh, how dare you? Right, yeah. <laughs> it's like in this case, it's like, oh, go to this person. It's not just okay. Yeah. He's, he's the yeah. worst. I've had to sue him before because he is kind of a bad lawyer. Well, it, yeah. th- this is like reading too much into it, but I could also see yeah. saying like the conversation actually went, oh, yeah, like this 
this Ned Racine guy is like okay. a horrible liar. Don't ever go see him. She goes to see him because he's a horrible liar. He wasn't actually referred to. Yeah. Uh, he was he was like led to it, but then when but then when sense, but then but when he sees Ned later, he's like, oh yeah, I told her about. You. Right. He's like, I was tr- I know I owed you one, yeah. so I referred her to you, but I did tell her that you suck. It's like, okay, yeah. yeah. I think that's giving the movie more credit. Yeah. No, I think it absolutely is. It steps in it a little, yeah. Uh, um, which, again, go into a scene where the movie just doesn't deserve any credit. Is um, Maddie calls Ned and is like, oh, come get the piece of evidence mm-hmm. from the boathouse where I'm living. And he's like, why don't you get the okay? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he kind of questions her, but like at that point, you you just got to be like, "Fuck nah. Mm. like you're cute, but girl, yeah, no." And at that point, we've also this learned that um, she met with Mickey Rourke mm-hmm. and had she knew everything about the last one, and she got another yep. another arson box. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, no, yeah. this is the worst. Decision. Yeah, well, it, but he it does. does, I think, like you were saying, the second half stuff, and for me it worked at least, like stuff does start happening kind of quickly to the point mm-hmm. where it feels a little bit like, wait, what's going on? And maybe this is giving the movie more credit than it deserves, but I feel like that's how Ned feels. Like as the movie is sort of barreling towards its conclusion, he's like, wait, what? Like I thought I had control of things, but mm-hmm. now it sort of starts snowballing with the will and maybe. the glasses and the, yeah. you know, everything else. And, and uh, I mean, that does invoke... I mean, we just talked about the big sleep. Right. Like, this it's, is far less convoluted than the big sleep is. Right. It's far less convoluted, and yet I still, I have questions that we're, we're almost to the end here, and, and I, I mm-hmm. have some questions about how she pulled all of this off. Yeah. Yeah, but at least big sleep, like, starts off just like, what the heck is happening, and just gets more that this movie is just kind of, like, pretty straightforward until there's a bunch of legal jargon you don't yeah. understand and then everything doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, really until the will scene, there's mm-hmm. not much of right. stuff to do. It's all setting up setting up like these other things to be set in motion because a lot of the stuff that... Or sex. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Which, th- like at this point in the movie, there hasn't been any sex in like an hour probably. Right, exactly. But anyway, yeah. for as dumb as I think it is that how it got to that scene, I think... The part where she's like, whatever happens, I still love you, Ned. And then she like walks into this uh-huh. darkness and then there's this big explosion. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll, I, I, I'm not going to hurt the movie too much on it, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, that's fine. Pretty cool. I did like, so uh, Ebert in his essay. So, so what's funny about Ebert's essay, and, and I know we're going to get back there in a minute, is he basically, you know, he concludes this movie with one of his great movies. He talks about how good it is. Um, and then he says that the closing scenes are obligatory and the final beach scene is perfunctory and unconvincing. And he basically <laughs> says that this is the last scene that works for him. He says the yeah. last scene that works. And then the whole conclusion. Right, is where Ned suggests to Maddie that she get the glasses. And then she says, Ned, whatever you think, I really do love you. Um, and I, I do think this scene's really good and played really well. But it is kind of funny that Ebert is like, yeah, I think this is one of the great movies. But the last 15 minutes, maybe you just lop that right off. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe you just don't need that. None of that works for me. I'm like, it's a pretty big caveat in uh, calling something yeah. one of your great movies. But all right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, she walks away. It explodes. Big boom. He gets arrested. He gets arrested. 
Love it when a plan comes together. Um, yeah, and then and then the, the arguably the stupidest twist ending in movie history happens. It's not I mean, that I mean, stupid. It's I did not know there was going to be a twist. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it is. But it is. It, not. There's no setup for this. No, there is. I, I think there is because. Um, oh man, you're giving it way more credit than I'm going to give it because like this is the stupidest ending I've ever seen. I we I mean we I didn't know this was how it was going to end, but we did call it like a few minutes before it happened. Where I think Matt turned to me and was like. She's the friend, isn't she? <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. oh man, and then yeah, reveal your your book reveal. Um, <laughs> your book reveal. Love a your book reveal. Okay, so how yes, how, how but, is this adequately set up, Nick? Well, one the one time we see Marianne, um, mm-hmm. they look. That's the big very, hint. They, that yeah, they, they look they similar look at the beginning. That, that's something. Yeah. And then everything with Marianne, everything else we know about her is that she dis- she appeared to have left in a rush and mm-hmm. disappeared off the face of the earth. Right. So, so, so okay, this is where I just want to make sure that I understand what happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Marianne and Maddie walk, Maddie Tyler, whatever her name was before she got married, went to high school together, were real friends. And mm-hmm. then Kathleen Turner was was actually the Mary, Marianne. Marianne, right? Yeah. And yeah. she took... Now, why the fuck did they switch personalities? And so, so, yeah, so it's not that, like, Maddie died. Like, th- that was her friend, right? She just took Maddie's identity and lived this life, and then the friend found out and showed up to blackmail her? So that's what I think <laughs> happened. So what I think happened okay. is that... Um, okay, that makes a little bit more like sense. Like, years, years ago, they mm-hmm. both, like, had... She says she was into drugs or something like that, and right. then she got yeah. she got the job in the lawyer's office. So mm-hmm. she starts setting the plan at that point, uh, like theoretically, um, that right. here's what I'm going to do: uh, I'm going to marry a rich person, and then I'm going to get all their money. And here's mm-hmm. how I'm going to do it: right. I'm going to use somebody else's name. Mm-hmm. I'm going to marry them. I will convince someone to kill them for me and if this I, is if, such a long con yeah <laughs> yeah that's why it doesn't make any sense it's a long con it's a long con but like pres- it was enough money that she i it's guess it's like a 10 year con I mean, the, were you using someone else's identity it's enough i do agree that it's enough money that like this is you right. know yeah like if you if you think retirement about the, plan. The, the money the money per time invested i mean she's done she doesn't have to work anymore yeah um so that beach so she takes somebody else's name Mm-hmm. Uh, she marries a guy. She could just have him killed, but instead she has to do all this will shenanigans because he has a niece he likes, which that's it's too bad for her. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, better. And then the plan is to the way she will get rid of the guy is that she will um, have him killed, and then she will kill her friend so that everyone will think that she is dead. So not only does she get all of the money. Mm-hmm. But no one will ever look for her, and right. she can peace she'll out, disappear so. off the face of the earth. Yeah, yeah, and then no one will ever okay. think and twice. And justif- mm-hmm. justify how that's even a remotely not stupid ending. I mean, I just think it's a sort of a classic like mystery twist ending. Yeah, yeah. No, like, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it I, I it guess. totally worked for me. I don't have to tell you, like, no. <laughs> not everything that happens to, in a movie has to be something that would happen in real life. Yeah. 
Like I it's was, just I mean, heightened. A talking Peruvian bear going to London doesn't right, but I mean, actually even, happen in real even life. in like not even in a movie that technically takes place in the real world. Like it's still at least for me, it does not once, take away if it's heightened. Once he starts to figure it out and he gets the yearbook and it shows their faces, I was like, oh, she like she really she did it. She pulled mm-hmm. off this thing. Yeah, but I'm gonna hate it if it, if the last like it cuts to her at the airport and she's got like a beach hat and glasses on and mm-hmm. as she's walking as she's <laughs> as she's in line about to get mm-hmm. on the plane a cop walks up and right. pulls her out of line and she gets caught yeah i would have fucking hated that ending this one it's just she's on the beach mm-hmm. and you know she what with it. maybe she's got some regrets but yeah she's on the beach she looks she a really little conflicted it. you know right. maybe she feels yeah. a little bad but um, no, I, she I like, yeah, I like that she gets away with it. I, I, I mm-hmm. totally agree. I think I would not, I, I would have just written it off if she'd gotten caught. Then I think I would have been like, yeah, it's stupid, whatever. But it works for me just on an entertainment, like thematic level that, well, she pulled it off. She got Same. away with it. Ned, Ned was a sucker. Yep. You know, what you going to do? Yeah. She's sitting on the beach. My, my reaction is just like, got him. Yep. She pulled it off. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, it just it didn't I, feel any more stupid to me than, like, I don't know. And maybe it's because I watch, like, a lot of, like, just goofy, like, crime TV shows and stuff, mm-hmm. you know? That it's just, like, I've watched I watch a ton of Columbo's. I watch a ton of, you know, like, British mysteries and things. Columbo. And I've only seen two episodes of it, but Columbo fucking rules. Columbo's so good. Um, and I watch tons of just, like, I watch every British mystery TV show you can get on, like, mm-hmm. Acorn and Britbox and stuff. And so... Maybe I'm yeah, just conditioned like, I, like, for it to be like, oh, yeah, sure. People have these elaborate murder plans, and then they just, you know. I feel like like something like Agatha Christie would write, it would just, it wouldn't be like a 10-year-long con where you could, like, be caught at any moment for so many different crimes the you're committing only, at once. So the only crime she's committing until the very end is identity theft, right? Like, she just, yeah. and I, I think also, I get the sense, at least based on, novels and things um sure used to be a lot easier to just change your identity you know mm-hmm. pre-internet pre anything you could just show Maybe. up in town and you could just show up in town and say this is your name and how does anyone know they can't google you <laughs> like yeah take your word for it and yeah unless you like make a phone call to their high school and get a yeah. yearbook like you you're go. pretty much you're pretty much out of options right i also <laughs> like that um so like in most noirs People, like the bad guys always pay for it like it, it was mm-hmm. part of like the Hayes right code, part of the like. code yeah production code they had so a, he so he pays for his like he should be in jail he killed a dude yeah yeah he and, he, and he knew he wasn't he like he wasn't tricked into doing it to think he was like saving her life or right that, right you know? yeah like, that's like, like the line that he says like we're right. doing this for us not for him right yeah because it would be more of a tragedy if like she had like lied to him and said like oh i'm afraid he's gonna kill me we have to kill him first mm-hmm. like no he just was you know it's just made their lives easier to get rid of him yeah but as opposed to all those other movies like the femme fatales from the 30s and 40s like none of them ever really get away with it uh mm-hmm. to, to one degree or another yeah, um, man. Think about but, the women in the Big Sleep. Other than, yeah. well, even like Lauren Bacall, like they all get put through the ringer, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, they go through a lot. And this one, like, she gets away with it. Right, she's pretty much in control of the situation the whole time, way more than you realize for most of the movie, and then mm-hmm. she walks away. Yeah, I like it. I I, I thought the ending was fun. It's it's like yeah. kind of a one of those pulpy like. <sighs> yeah. 
I want to invoke another recent movie, but I know Dylan hasn't seen it, so I won't. Oh, now I want to know what. Oh, no. Uh, Dylan, plug your ears. I want to know <laughs> what movie. Gone Girl. Uh, Dylan hasn't seen that? Yeah. Oh, wow. Crazy. Um, I just realized I'm going to have to edit oh. the part. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you'll know which part because we're leading up to it. Yeah. It's just like skip ahead. <laughs> when you people tell listeners skip ahead thirty seconds, you can just just skip ahead thirty yeah. seconds <laughs> editing the podcast. Um, a very quick note. Um, so I remember a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Blow Up, I mentioned how I watched the trailer for Blow Up, which made it seem like a sort of like wild, crazy '60s party movie. And then I'm like, oh, this is a little bit like slower than that. Body Heat has the exact same thing. If you watch the Body Heat trailer, which was also available on iTunes where I watched the movie, it is like dark and gunshots and body heat. And like similar thing. It makes it seem super intense. Was there a gunshot? Like, no. (laughs) Like, it's not a gun. (laughs) But the trailer for Body Heat is just like, bang, bang. It's so funny. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I've been laughing about it since I watched it. Because I I like to watch those trailers after I watch the movie. I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, that doesn't doesn't reflect it at all so that was entertaining anyway so that's body heat that is body heat i'm trying to think if i have any i don't think i have any other final notes um i like my, my final note. i like the music i liked the oh the music, the music was, was solid. good um yeah i liked the house i liked the music that was my take i liked i liked her clothes um didn't even really want to bring it up because then you have to talk about that stupid line again. Um, but I otherwise, especially the outfit she's wearing though at the be- at the very beginning when they first the meet dress. on the boardwalk, the white. Yeah, yeah that's like a really good a introduction. Yeah. So. Um, my my final note on the movie was just it's still hot. It is still hot. <laughs> just that line that. She- yeah. No matter where you go, it's gonna be hot. Yep. Can't get away from it. Sure. I will say, I will say both Wikipedia and I think in Ebert's essay um, t- comparing it to other uh, noirs both mentioned Detour, which I think we're going to be watching soon. Yeah. Which I'm very excited. I haven't, yeah, which I I've haven't seen, seen and I'm super excited to see. Did you? You um, got the Criterion of that? Oh, I right? did. Yeah, I just bought. I, I bought it. Yeah. I thought about it and I ended up not getting it, but I, yeah. I, it's. I have a few regrets from this last one where I'm just like. I probably ought to stop buying stuff, but there is a no. few that I kind of I, I went up all in on the D's and got Days of Heaven, the Decalogue, Detour, and Do the Right Thing. That's a cool. <laughs> that's that's, wow. that's going to be such a fun run of movies yeah, to talk about that we have come and then Double Indemnity and then Dracula. So yeah, that's a go. heck of a run. Yeah, Dracula's kind of. I don't like Dracula that much either. You don't like Dracula? Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll, we'll have see, you seen the old Dracula? Been, it's been when a I was long a kid. Time. It's been a yeah. long time. I saw all those when I was a kid, but. It's not a it's not a bad movie. It's just outside of Bela Lugosi. It's just kind of yeah. That's, yeah, I, that is movie. kind of what I remember about it. Like that the rest of it is just whatever. It, it's just it's fine. And like from the same like f- five year span or so, there's Nosferatu and Vampire, and I like both mm. of those much better. Yeah. So it's just oh, and both are so much it, better. it suffers yeah. because I'm comparing it to two matter two two movies that I think are much better. That's yeah oh yeah for sure. That's fair. Yeah. It's, it, I think it's just the difference between just like a, a standard horror fair and just like great horror yeah and they all kind of go along a similar premise so anyway quotes yes quotes quotes i've got one pulled up Um, 
I will say, uh, while I'm pulling mine up, um, I thought this was another pretty good essay in terms of being yes. focused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it was a good it's essay, focused too. On the movie. I didn't agree with a lot of it, but I thought right, it was a good essay. He, he's, uh, he talks about the movie. <laughs> and it's uh, and what it has to offer. And as the be- as the best track. reviews tend to. <laughs> you know, I realize I'm grading on a sliding scale at this point, yeah. but it's not just about the time <laughs> he went and saw it at the premiere and then blah, 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 or yeah. about another yeah. movie. So, uh, Although he does just obsess about Pauline and Kale he, again. Uh, he, yeah. You know, yeah. Well, All right, go ahead. Maybe he... <laughs> Pauline Kale, like, really hangs over a lot of uh, these. It's so fascinating. Yeah, yeah he it's, really... It's crazy. Yeah. And I've, I've been reading a, a book about... Um, the making of well it's called the making of citizen kane mm-hmm. and pauline kale hangs over that one a little bit too really yeah well because did k did kale like citizen kane yeah no but well yes but um the reason <laughs> yeah no but the yes. reason that she comes up is because she um was like the most prominent person to say that uh wells didn't write it at all it was only mankowitz i was gonna say so when mank comes out which is presumably still happening nice and then like in the book it it sort of breaks down like how the writing went and it was back and forth but it was it was co-written by both of them um assuming Mm -hmm. that the way the book tells it is accurate but it's detailed enough that it seems like it but since then uh wells hated kale and um (laughs) did you guys see did you guys see the other side of the wind no. Nope. There's a. I don't even know what that is. It's the Wells movie that got like found and redone a few years ago. Yeah, it was like last year or the year before that they just put it out online. It's a cool movie, yeah. the, but there's a okay. there's a character who's like definitely Pauline Kale in it. And is uh, is she like the uh, not to bring up the specter yes. that hangs over our podcast? But she's she's Birdman. like the critic in Birdman. Okay. Yeah, only like <laughs> with a like better done because it's Wells and not in Yarn too. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, anyways, my quote is <clears throat> women are rarely allowed to be bold and devious in the movies. Most directors are men and they see women as goals, prizes, enemies, lovers, and friends, but rarely as protagonists. And, uh, this movie does not do that. No. It sees her as, uh, someone who, who gets them. Yeah. It, 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 it does. But is she the protagonist? I mean, I, I think oh. she is in the end. <laughs> yeah. She secretly was the protagonist uh, the whole time. Uh, I mean, no, I mean, it's obviously... No, wait, what, what, what are we defining as protagonist? I mean, I, yeah, I, I guess she's not protagonist, but I, in terms of, right. like, lead, I would call her a co-lead yeah. and not supporting. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. But she's... Um, I, I think but, the key thing is she's not any of those other things that, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know... And I think that's a good not, thing that the movie yeah. does, which... It's, it starts to imply that it's doing in the very first act or two, mm-hmm. but I think as it goes on, you realize, like, that's not what the end goal of this character is, which is a pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely after the, the lawn chair break-in, it's like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> she really is just depressed. Yeah. But um, I, so I, I circled when he, where he said, the but rarely as a protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I related that back to... The ending of this movie kind of reminded it just like not nearly as good, but it reminded me of Silence of the Lambs, oh. where we don't necessarily root for Hopkins, yeah. but we're not totally against this person that's doing bad things. Right, and it's you kind of like, got a hand. Hey, she got him. away with it. Cool, <laughs> yeah. not great, but you know, 
You're gonna have a Fred Nova. Yeah, for that's dinner. totally the Hannibal Lecter. She's gonna fuck yeah. some. Yeah, that's totally dude. the Hannibal Lecter thing where you're like, gotta hand it to him. <laughs> he got away. Yep, yeah, what go. you gotta do? Uh, <laughs> and so that that doesn't necessarily feel like a protagonist mm-hmm. to me, but I, I I do think it was good that she, that she's more than just right. the prize. The the ending to Jenna, what's your? I'd say the ending to me was most reminiscent of the ending of Trading Places. If anybody else has seen trade the the uh, Dan Aykroyd Eddie Murphy movie Trading Places, yeah, but I forget how it ends. They they and they they pull off the the scam. They get the money and then they're hanging on a beach at the end. Oh, like, are they? Yeah, they literally just okay. literally ends. Yeah, it literally ends with them drinking champagne on a beach, and so I was just like, oh. a, a little bit of a different. A little, yes, <laughs> no, that's. The slightest exactly. bit. Exactly. Um, but that's just whenever I see like the movie ending with somebody getting away with something and being on a beach. I'm like, trading places. Um, the I, I also circled that part about uh, her character. But the other part I uh, highlighted was the literal, well, the first two sentences of his essay. Like a tantalizing mirage, film noir haunts modern filmmakers. Noir is the genre of night, guilt, violence, and illicit passion. And no genre is more seductive. Um, and mm-hmm. I think it also... You know, and like he mentions a few other places, and it's probably a, uh, it's not commendable necessarily, but I do think that Body Heat plays best as a riff on the genre, not not so much as a standalone, yeah. but I think it's interesting in how it is playing with those genre conventions and your expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite things in the essay, it wasn't one of the things I was going to quote though is um, after that, it says, we called them B-movies, said Robert Mitchum. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to be the B-movies of modern days that people are going to see as cinematic masterpieces in the future and have in their great movie essays the of whatever Blo- the Roger Ebert 30, 40 years maybe. Yeah, maybe. I was thinking, like, what else do we really have as B-movies? Like right, mumble that's co- a, Mumblecore, and those yeah. aren't going to be... <laughs> Right, that's, yeah, the only know. thing that jumped... Lord, please don't make The only core. thing that jumped into my head was, like, yeah, the Bloomhouse, the, like, you know, made, make it for a million-dollar horror movie and mm-hmm. that that kind of thing. But, yeah, it's, it's, just such a, you know, it's just a different time now. I mean, this was back, obviously, when you literally had B-movies, which was, like, you paid to see the A-movie, and they just mm-hmm. tacked the B-movie onto the end of it, and you just watched that because yeah. it was cheap and easy. And we don't have anything like that particularly anymore. Um Marvel and credit scenes that last. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Yes. Marvel post credit sequences. <laughs> yeah, because all I can think of are like the kind of B movies, the kind of we still have, what I think are the modern equivalent of B movies, but the kind of B movies that these days would be uh, mystery science theater. You know that that haven't really mm-hmm. transcended into cinema. Um, yeah, like Machete Kills or something. I, yeah, Machete Kills is fun. Um, or Machete is fun at least. Yeah, that's have, fine. But that's right. what B movies are. Have, it's solid, interesting. Have fun. you guys seen? The commercial. I don't know if you guys, you probably, I, I, I may be the only one who get these because I have direct TV because I'm an old person that still pays for satellite television. Um, but I, I live at home with my parents. Oh. I have to be forced okay. to watch cable. So yeah, we have... do too because that's how I wa- can watch baseball. Right, exactly. That's why we have it too. Sure. Yeah, I have um, sports. MLB TV, man. Bl- yeah, Blackout. But I can't, yeah. Yeah. I mean. I, I can't watch the one the oh. one game I want to watch most. Exactly. Yeah. You do a whole VPN thing and, it's, and right. sometimes yeah. those yeah. go away and it's not worth it. Anyway, we get a lot of commercials for movies that are going to direct TV, directly to direct TV cinema, um, which are usually star like some guy from some TV show and like no one you've ever heard of, and you can tell they were filmed in some tiny country somewhere. But there's a there's a trailer or a commercial playing right now for some Orlando Bloom movie um, that Orlando uh-huh. Bloom stars in, and he is like 
some bad guy and he's covered in tattoos. Um, and that just that's what jumped into my head as far as like what is a B movie now. Also noteworthy about that commercial, there is a huge pull quote that pops up on the screen that says Orlando Bloom at the level of giants. And I rolled my eyes at that for weeks. Oh my God. And then like two days ago, Matt was like, hold on, hold on, go back and pause that. <laughs> Do you know what it says underneath Orlando Bloom at the level of giants who the quote is attributed to? Letterboxed. What? It just says letterboxed. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> it was so funny. I am not joking. They just found somebody on Letterboxd who said a, frankly, not that well-worded comment about Orlando Bloom and tacked it onto their movie oh, commercial. My Letterboxd reviews are going to be so much different from now on because right. I'm going to get on a poster. <laughs> you, you just you have to say things like that. Brian, Brian Cranston talking to that oh, gorilla God. at the level I, of giants. Um, so this movie <laughs> now... I don't even know. I literally just pulled up Orlando Bloom's IMDb, and I, I've seen this trailer a hundred times, and I'm like, I don't know what this is for. Is it must be The Outpost? I don't even think it's that. Okay. I don't even know what movie it's for. So Jenna, great, great marketing here. <laughs> when you were describing like the kind of movies you see commercials of, it sounds like the um, the kind of movie that Moira Rose would star in right sure. now when she has to go to. Latvia or something. Yeah. The, the, in season four. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that was a great. That was a great. Yeah. Subtension I. In this show. My my friend who I will not name on the podcast who is an actress, um, who has spent a lot of time in places like Bulgaria and Romania, mm -hmm. making like Lifetime movies because that's where they go to film those now, um, is a uh, yeah. What a what an industry. Um, but yeah. So I, I don't have a better answer for the. Uh, the B movies, although I, I do think it's probably mm -hmm. it's probably modern horror modern of some horror, kind. Yeah. yeah, that'd be my mm -hmm. guess. Sorry, I think all the stuff I was going to talk about I either brought up in the pod or you guys said. Um, Sorry. Yeah, literally everything we've talked about was stuff I circled. I just sent you guys that picture, by the way. Enjoy. Okay, I'm checking on Facebook. Yeah, I sent it, I sent it on Messenger. Okay. I took it to send it to you before and I forgot. And I decided on the podcast was the appropriate time. Dylan, feel free to edit all of this out unless you think people... It is Retaliation, by the way, is the name of the uh, movie, which okay. according to IMDb is a 2017 film. So... What? <laughs> oh my gosh. It's everything you keep saying about this movie, Jen. I like that it's not even like letterbox.com slash... No, nope, it's just such and such username. It's just letterbox.com, you know. Well, actually, I think they do oh, have their own podcast now, so maybe it is from have, that. They, they although have, I quite doubt it. Yeah, they they technically do. They do have a podcast, and they do have, um, you know, they'll have like their own little articles and interviews with filmmakers and things. But I am skeptical that that is the official editorial position of Letterboxd. Is that mm -hmm. um, <laughs> also it has like that's just a that's not even a sentence. Yeah, like what does that mean? Orlando Bloom at the level of giant sounds like the ba a bad title of a movie itself. Like, I just yeah. don't know what to make of it. Anyway, <laughs> direct TV cinema. Thank you. I, I see that I see that every commercial during baseball games. It's just nonstop. It's ridiculous. Oh, God. Uh, All right. Anyway. Wait, one question before we yes. wrap up. Are you Johnny Bench? <laughs> <laughs> uh, why? You want to you say, say I can hold hamburgers in my hand? Are you oh, Johnny Bench? 
Oh, that commercial. Freaking baseball Christ. commercials, man. Yeah. I have not seen that commercial. I, Good for it was you. One of, it was one of those, It's this happens to me a lot, where I'll see someone making a joke about something online, and I'll be like, I've never seen that. I don't know what that's in reference to. And then I just see it nod. Exactly. It's all I see. Yeah. So good. Good. Safe drivers save 40%. Safe drivers do save 40%. (laughs) So rude. Um, He's right there. Yes. Anyway. All right. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up for me. Thumbs up for me. I I gave the benefit of the doubt last time. I'm going to go down Ah, on this one. I don't think I've given. Nick, have you given a thumbs down yet? No, because I was talked into. I've given uh, two, and no one else. Right, has I don't given think it. I've yeah, given a thumbs down yeah. yet I feel either. Sad. Yeah. I mean, they should be. They but should be few and far between if it's right. a movie like you know. We're, yeah. Right. No. Exactly. And it's hundred great movies. Seen the rest of the book. I don't think I'm really gonna give more than five. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't, if that, of the ones I've seen, I didn't it's see just any. This run of. I I actively disliked. Yeah, and it's, I think it's just this this run of movies is just not my genre and. Even if it wasn't my genre, I don't think it's been superly well executed anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go thumbs down, but not not as strong of a thumbs down as I gave Bill. Right. Yeah, you you weren't uh, offended so by Jana, this movie. It just didn't work for you. No, no, it's just bizarre. Yeah, Jenna, what what would you rate it out uh, of four? Three out of four. So, solid movie, fun time. Nick, same three. All right, I'm going to go two. It's just kind of a average, you know, middle-of-the-road movie. Nothing super special, but not, like, what are they saying about child sexual abuse? <laughs> yeah, thankfully, well, for better or worse, they sidestep. <laughs> they they, they, yes. they, <laughs> yes. they <laughs> go up to that line and then go, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> yeah, Still uncomfortable, but yeah. not, not Did, the... Didn't what, even the, get her money the, and her yeah. favorite uncle's dead. All right. On that note. Uh, so, uh, Jana, what did you watch this week? Um, yeah, so I finally Plural. caught up with two new movies um, on Thursday. Finally caught up with First Cow. Good movie, which Dylan hasn't seen yet, right? Boo. Boo? Because you haven't seen it? Or because... Oh, okay. At first I thought you were... At first I thought you were mooing, which I thought was like a funny bit you were going to do. The first first one was a moo. And then you said that and I was like, I'm bummed, so I'll say boo. Because I just said moo. Um, I'm not not clever. Yeah, recommend... um, You know, I'm sure if if we end up doing a, you know, movie roundup sometime later, we'll talk about it. I I really liked it. It's really stuck with me. Um, And then last night I watched Back... how, how many how many Kelly record? This is my first one. Okay, yeah, this is my first one. Just curious. Um, because because I don't like it takes a lot for me to want to like sit down and really spend some time with like people you know just moving slowly through life and being kind of sad about it. Um, <laughs> hey, that's a Kelly record. Exactly. Movie. So um, you know, knew what I was getting into, but I did really enjoy it, and mm-hmm. I still I like I also like. That period of time for me is like I'm really fascinated by just like, you know, pioneers and the, you know, gold, gold rush, silver rush, everything like born and raised in California. And like that's all the history you learn growing up and everything. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why I've always wanted to see Meek's Cutoff and have not seen Meek's Cutoff yet. Um, that that's is a, next really on movie. my Kelly Reichardt list. That um, awesome. Yeah, I'm, I really need to check that out. Um, <laughs> Are there any Native Americans in oh, yeah. First Cow? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. 
I, I, I was hoping it wouldn't be one of those movies that. Oh like, no, quite no, quite it. quite importantly, like plays play important good. roles in in what's happening in that uh, community. So yeah, it's good. Nice. Um, and then last night I watched Bakarau, Bakaru, Bakarau, Bakarau. Sure, um, bad, <laughs> bad at my Brazilian Portuguese name pronunciations, which I loved. Like that, that movie is. I mean, I liked them both. Uh, they're just very different, and very, very different. a little bit more my speed in terms of like what a blast that movie was. Um, mm. I'd be really curious, mm-hmm. Dylan, what you think, what you think about it if you ever watch it. I. I heard a lot of people compare it to Parasite when it kind of came out. Sure. Not foreign around the same time that we got Parasite oh. domestically. Yeah. Yeah, I would say not stylistically, but not thematically stylistically. it definitely has some parallels. Yeah, I'm trying to think of stylistically. I know I've seen, like, I can't think of a good, like, a good comparison point for what it's like stylistically. Um, yeah. I mean, sadly, we don't have a lot of Latin American cinema that is translated and preserved and like the Criterion Mm. channel the way they've maybe they they, like Criterion's done a lot better of like having South Asian and Indian Uh cinema kind of start to be a part of their um, thing. It reminded um, me of something though and I just can't put my finger on I'm trying to think of like what Western it is. Yeah it's very I mean I saw comparisons to like a, a modern Brazilian sort of take on like Magnificent Seven slash Seven Samurai, kind of like there was at least one letterbox review I was reading because yeah. it's just about like a town that you know is is dealing dealing with some danger, um, but it's it's quite strange. And, and Nick very thankfully told me not to read like once I decided to see it, not to read anything about it, mm-hmm. um, which is good because I one yeah, I don't want to one I re- I thought I knew what it was about, and then I realized I had it confused with the movie that came out. Either last year or the year before, Monos. Did you see Mon? Anyone see Monos? Oh, Monos looks. Right. So I haven't that- seen it, but um, right. Uh, I, I realized Michael that Michael Levi does the score, yes. so I really want to see it. Yeah, I realized that I was like, oh no, I think who, I know who does. Uh, My- Michael Levi, the woman who did um, Jackie and Under the Skin. Oh, yeah. she's yeah. awesome. Yeah, really good score. Um, yeah, oh, God, I almost saw Monos. It was playing at the Draft House here. Um, and I realized that I thought I knew the plot of Baccarat, but what I was thinking of was the plot of Monos, so I didn't know anything about the plot of Baccarat. Um, <laughs> that really go with no it really, it, it, like, in its opening 30 seconds, I was like, oh, I really don't know what this movie's about. So it was fun. Um, I enjoyed it. It has some great yeah. music, great John Carpenter uh, it's, oh, it's so- song that recurs that just, like, is so good. There's a Spandau Ballet like needle drop mm-hmm. at one point, literally yes. out of nowhere. That's just, ugh. it's just, it's the kind of thing that I really dig and what I re- like, what I really like. About Apparently, the, the it sounds I awesome. think it's yeah. the school is is named after John Carpenter. Only it's like the Portuguese name of like John and the word carpenter. Oh, cool! Yeah, so they're they, doing there was, like they show I guess, a lot of guess, things on signs that I'm like, I can't read that. Yeah, <laughs> and so. Yeah. Was, I guess that's not that. quite as big a reference as actually featuring a song he wrote, but right. it's, <laughs> but it's well, pretty close. Well, it's so funny is because, so this song, I've let everyone, this is the last thing I watched, so this is the last thing I'll say, but that song comes on and I'm like, this is really, like, this is a cool like 80s horror movie style like mm. score. What, what an interesting thing they've done here. And I was like, looked it up and I was like, oh, that is, it's a John Carpenter piece of music. That's, that's why it sounds like the score from a John Carpenter movie. <laughs> Yeah. Hi, yeah, highly recommend. Um, rented it on iTunes, um, and it was a very fun watch. 
a little little violent, but not not in a way that I found too upsetting. So, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. What about you, Dylan? What did you watch this week? I watched a lot of movies this past week. I think I watched five. Um, the first one was also a Brazilian yeah. movie called O Ato de Copa de Sida. Oh, right. I'm probably butchering that pronunciation. And um, it was so awesome. You guys have to watch this movie. <laughs> it's really funny. And it's... it's That's another one where I don't really want to say too much what it's about going in like don't go in knowing too much um but it's really fun there's a lot of good twists and turns in that movie and it it, it the the whole last act is awesome and my brother just kept on and i just kept on being like holy shit this is the best movie we've ever watched <laughs> through the whole like last 40 minutes maybe it's awesome um and then i watched i watched the virgin suicides after um, I watched Body Heat because I wanted to see Kathleen Turner and something else. Because I think, I don't know, she was good, but I don't think she was given great direction. Or she seemed a little rusty. It seemed like she was trying to be like the Lauren Bacall without being her own I think thing. you can kind of tell it's her first movie, maybe. Um, I think yeah. I agree and she's not bad, but yeah. I just, I wanted to see her in something yeah, else. She's, and, oh, she she's was really good in Virgin She suicides. breaks my heart in that movie. Uh, she's, yeah, yeah, she's real good. And so is everyone. And it's Very perfect. annoyingly, James Woods is excellent in that movie. And it sucks because. Which one's the, James the dad. Woods? The dad. The dad, Kathleen. Yeah. Oh. And it sucks because he sucks. Um, he does. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a real yeah, bad man. He sucks. Um, but he's really good in that movie. And like the two of them together are, mm-hmm. are really excellent. Yeah. I'd, I'd really love to have a full Virgin Suicides discussion at some point. Cause, if um, we ever do like a pick our great a, movies, like that's, you know, up that's close to my years. number one. So we can, we can make yeah. that happen at some um, point. Yeah, but I think there's an interesting discussion because there's, there's, a, there's a guideline of how to portray suicide uh-huh. by the... Um, <laughs> and does see, that, uh, it, uh, did that movie not follow it? <laughs> not, not... Right, no. I know. And... I, I, I think the, the guidelines they lay out is a pretty good, um, it, it says depiction recommendations, so it's definitely not mm-hmm. like rules of how to portray suicide. And it there's eight, and it breaks, I think, five or six. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my thing. But it yeah. does it in a way where it doesn't like actively ruin it or glorify yeah. suicide or... It, but it, yeah. it does... You know, the, these days I do feel compelled to warn people or, like, I'm not, I'm not like, a big trigger mm-hmm. warning person in general or anything. But, like, I would not it definitely but I would not go warning. around and just recommend that movie willy-nilly to people without saying, like, look, be be ready to reckon with some things and some depictions that, like, no, this is, this is not uh, – it does mm-hmm. not depict suicide in a way that mental health professionals are probably super enthusiastic about. Um, but, you know – what I what I think it did well was depict depression. Yes. And very well. Mm-hmm. And it does it in a way that's very stylized and very ethereal. So it doesn't feel as much of it trying to be a s- movie about the suicide. Yeah, it's which not. It's in the right. title. So it's important. But it, it, it's more of just like how like 
it's a really good like symbolic setting for how depression sort of acts mm-hmm. so i think in that way the the things about like why it sort of broke some of the mm-hmm. recommendations but actually made it work in the way of depicting depression and isolation and anxiety yeah it, it, it worked for me yeah. in the end. that movie's like the literal um, definition of like dreamlike basically is that entire yeah, movie. yeah really uh i watched do the right thing which was awesome it's great had a lot of uncomfortable discussions with my family <laughs> After that Good movie, for you, but, though. You know, that's I just yeah. probably would not watch that with my parents. But you're, that's, you're a better person than I for doing it and then having those conversations. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched Mulholland Drive, which I know is the big one. We'll that, have to talk about that someday in some context. Is that in any of the books? Well, no, because he died. Well, that's from movies from 2000 and yeah, one. I think old. he only has like two old. movies post 2000 though. Yeah, he has very few. I mean, and I think this book's and from 03 or something and so yeah. Yeah. And and that's kind of why I at least want to mix in after we finish the first book some of our own great movies yeah. so we can do some more modern movies and some more uh, non-Amero-European yeah. movies. But no, we'll have to find a time or, to talk about Holland Drive. Or Southeast Asia. Yeah. That's like the only three regions that he seems to go to um but yeah i was wrong and i i I definitely want to retract a lot of what i said in the director's episode about david lynch i'll drive so Um, good man yeah i think what i didn't get like i understood like how the sort of lynchian i can't think of a better word yeah lynchian's the word to use (laughs) lynchian is the thing yeah yeah uh, but I, I understood, like, thematically, like, the importance and the emotion a lot more watching it a second time, like, why everything was happening. And that made it so much more affecting yeah. uh, watching it the second time. And then lastly, I watched The Innocence last night, which is, it's, it's I, I think I messaged you guys this, but it's, like, it's very hard for both horror and comedy movies to be better and funnier slash scarier on a rewatch and this is the fourth time i've seen the innocence third or fourth and it genuinely does become better and scarier the more you watch it which is i think the best compliment i can give to a horror movie and it's got deborah kerr in it and she should have won the oscar for everything and she should have won it for um Colonel, Colonel Blimp, Blimp as well. She's so good in Colonel Blimp. She's so She's good in everything. everything. And um, great child performances in that movie too. Scary like, children. Really shockingly good. Are they scary children? I don't okay. want to say. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a masterpiece. Right. And it's going to go on my spooky movie really... list. Yay! I was going to say, because you had talked about having a spooky movie yes. list recently. And I was going to say at the end of the my whole be able to put it on uh, just about yeah every is it on where did you watch it is it on criterion it used to be right oh you have the physical oh. it's not on right oh. now. oh oh that's a beautiful cover oh yeah and uh it's the, like the first shot in the movie nice. so doesn't give anything away yeah i will and she's perfect we love yeah. deborah kerr oh, is it it's not streaming anywhere <laughs> that's the thing which is really frustrating. Yeah, yeah but it's not streaming anymore. I promise you the DVD is worth buying. I think it's my third highest rated horror movie on my movie wow. list on Letterboxd. 
only behind The Thing and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, you guys should watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't know, man. Yeah, that's how I am. Like, I'll get to it. If, if oh, I can't even get um, to watch it. It appears that The Innocence is available on Mubi, which I do not oh. currently subscribe to, but I'm pretty sure I have like a free trial code somewhere, so maybe I will uh, check right. it out on Mubi. Oh, just standard death, though, on Mubi? Well. I will say the the, the, um, the Criterion transfer on that movie was is it good? awesome, because I've only ever seen it on YouTube. It is available on YouTube if you want to watch it. Oh. Like, free, someone just <laughs> uploaded it on YouTube. <laughs> But the the quality's the quality's fine. It's like three sixty p and a little jumpy. But so actually getting to watch it on a TV off a four K Criterion disc this time was just like oh shit. This it, it it does a lot of those um like double focus where there's something focused in the background split diopter the shots. Where that yeah yeah That's cool the, there's So many in that movie that they use very effectively and getting to see it with like pure clarity on a television was just like thing nice so very happy to watch that nick what did you watch this week uh i rewatched. i got chimes at midnight on criterion so i rewatched that uh for the first time since i saw it in theaters um i loved it on a rewatch because i was able to follow the dialogue a little bit better having subtitles because <laughs> it's a lot of shakespearean mm-hmm. stuff the sound isn't like yeah <laughs> sometimes the the vocals are a little bit hard to hear so that helped too but yeah i loved the crap out of this movie um uh, also, just the look of Orson Welles in that movie. He's insane. Is ins- it's a lot of luck. insane. Yeah, it's a lot. It, it it's, he's like peak. It's like peak Welles. Um, <laughs> in every sense. Yes. Uh, My Darling Clementine, which I also picked up on Criterion I hadn't seen before. Um, that's, that's in the a, book, right? Yes, it is. Is it? Yeah, oh, wow. sure is. All right, well, then I guess I'm going to be watching it again. I'm <laughs> very excited to watch it again uh, because it is nice. very, very good. Oh, yeah, it is in the book. Cool. Uh, what else did I watch? I watched Bringing Up Baby. Um, it was okay. Nick. I have all of the all the problems I, I have with What's Up Doc, you can just copy and paste. Nick! Uh, I think <laughs> Don't better bring What's, What's Up, up Doc, doc <laughs> into this, into your sunken sullenness. <laughs> I know what yeah, I said. Yeah, I already saw that in his letterbox review and just let it go. So. I was yeah, mad. it's just like not, it's not my... It's not my style. It's not my speed. Um, I watched two more of the Bruce Lee movies, um, Fist of Fury, which was pretty cool, and Wave the Dragon, which is awesome. He fights Chuck Norris in it. Oh, that's a Chuck Norris which, one? That's, yeah. yeah I, which, I know. I don't know what – all I know for, about Bruce Lee movies are is it the one – is it the Chuck Norris one? Is it the one with all the mirrors? Like, I, I watched them is, all is when I was a kid, but I didn't Is it the Kareem one? Yeah, that's like yeah. This was the Chuck Norris one. This is the Chuck Norris, uh, and also Chuck Norris looks so, so weird in that movie without a beard. He does. He's, He's young. so young. Yeah. And then uh, I knocked one of my highest uh, like rated blind spots off my blind spot list, which is Edward Yang's A Brighter Summer Day, which is an incredible movie. It's just under four hours, so it took a couple days to do. I chopped it into two sittings, but. It is a wonderful movie. It is very, it is a lot, um, but it is really, really good. And the criterion of that actually has um, one of the bonus features is just a filmed version of a stage play that he did, I think like the year after or two years after A Brighter Summer Day. So it's like a 45-minute play. The subtitles aren't great, and it's like, like VHS quality 
video, so you have to struggle with that a little bit. But it's a pretty cool play too. It's just like a cool type of bonus feature that that's cool. It's mm-hmm. Not something that I'd seen before, but yeah, um, that was my favorite thing that I watched mm-hmm. this week. Did you? Nice. Was there a lot of Elvis in it? There's some Elvis okay. in it. I wouldn't say a, there's not a lot of anything because it's four hours long and it <laughs> that's true. spans a whole lot of different <laughs> things. So yeah. Um, I've I've yes, only seen the trailer and the entire trailer is just showing shots while playing uh Are You Lonesome Tonight? So that's yeah. I have a very strong Yeah. That's the vibe, yeah. yeah. Elvis comes up a few times and mm-hmm. it, it's uh yeah. Now for you, Nick, uh, is it better than ye? I think it is. Yeah. I can't even imagine. They're very they're very different movies. I know, they're yeah. Very different. But yeah, I mean, they have their similarities. Like, yeah, he, he had certainly like has a style that he shoots in, but just like, it's it's different. It's quite mm-hmm. different. Yeah, and both both are pretty good, right? Yes. <laughs> good. Well, I think that is it for us. <laughs> now that we've been going for <laughs> two, yeah. it's like two. Definitely hours didn't minutes. expect the body heat uh, pod to no. go two plus hours, but that's we where were we loosey goosey this week. Yep. <laughs> Um, you can find us on Twitter and on Letterboxd at The Great Movies Pod. Um, follow our dear friend Scott Brady at S. Brady Artist on Twitter. He did our cover art and he's dope. And still hoping. Where are you, where are you Janet, on Avatar right now? Uh, like partway through season three, like halfway through season three, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ha- uh, have you. Like, not ha- that far. Are you at Day of Black Sun yet? Because that's about halfway. No, I think we're. I'm only a few episodes in. We watched the one where they go to the beach. That was a weird episode. Um, That's the best. (laughs) What a strange television show. I know. Um, Like that. Yeah, yeah. So I. That's one of the most recent ones we watched. Okay. I might have seen one or two after that, but I remember being like, "Oh, okay, that's what's happening now. Awesome. Yeah, we're we're at a beach. Yeah, Yeah, a little, little beach story. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, so, and, and we'll still have Scott Brady on for that uh, Avatar rundown where we discuss the movie and the show in full. Um, definitely excited to do that at some point. And that is all. Uh, Next week, we are going to be watching and talking about Bonnie and Clyde. This is what I get for uh, not a, writing the conclusion again. Which is available to rent or buy in all the usual places. And like many of our movies, is also streaming on HBO Max. So. Yes. Check out Bonnie and Clyde in any of those places. Yeah, Bonnie and Clyde. Um, cool. Yeah, now, Roger out. Roger out. See you next week. And when I go to the movies, I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people.